When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's rare to find a gift that you know everyone on your list will love. That's what you get with an incredibly soft blanket from Minky Couture. With hundreds of different styles and sizes of Minky Couture blankets, you'll find a gift that they are sure to love every single day of the year. Shop the best deals of the season at MinkyCouture.com. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Wake up, MD Nation! Wake up! We're here at a special time today. Of course, we're here from 9 o'clock to 11 a.m. because we're previewing the entire week four. Thank you for tuning in to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. You're watching on social media at BillyUpMDFF Show, and of course on our YouTube channel, the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Please subscribe. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dauer. Chris, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing pretty good, but I'm a little dreading this Thursday night game that we're going to talk about. We had two bad teams the last couple of weeks, or matchups, I should say, that I'm not really excited to watch necessarily. <laughs> I know. we. I was talking about this on the, uh, Monday, the Monday show, I believe it was. It was the recap show. And I was saying how, to that point, outside of the Thursday night game against Carolina Houston and then the Monday night game again with the Dallas and the Eagles, we had actually had good matchups on primetime television between Thursday night, Sunday night, and Monday night every other time. And that doesn't usually happen that way. But maybe it's going to come back around. However, here's the thing, though. I think I have a feeling this game is going to be more entertaining than what it looks like on paper. And at least it should be from a fantasy football standpoint. That's number one. Before we get into it, though, I want to give you guys a, an update on what's going to be happening. So we are doing the full show today because we will not be back tomorrow to do, you know, the Thursday night recap and all that. If anything happens in tonight's game, of course, follow us on social media. We'll keep you up to date on all the players' news notifications. You won't miss a thing. I promise you there. If you're upset that we won't be back tomorrow with the show, with the new show, blame my wife for being born this weekend. That's why we're going away this weekend. So it's that. that's why we're doing that. And that's why I'm trying to get all this done today for you guys. I know I said earlier on the uh, Tuesday morning show, that we were going to be changing times starting next week. That's actually going to get delayed a week out. We are going to do a full recap on Monday night, along with the Sunday night and Monday night recap, and then we'll have a waiver wire report and all all that good fun. It's going to be one big show, kind of like this is one big show. It'll be a one big show for a recap on Monday night. And then we'll still be back on Thursday and Friday of next week 
from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. like we normally would. But we're going to start to go into the new schedule after that because Friday night, we're going to come right back here on air on Friday night and do the MD's DFS show and lock bets with Chaz Flory like we would normally do Saturday night. So we're going to come back and do that Friday night, and that's going to kick off the new schedule from there. We'll keep you guys up to date. Just follow us along social media, but I want you to know that you're going to be finding us at new times than you normally would. Okay, now, now, Chris, let's get into this Thursday night game tonight. Now, I was up late doing my rankings. I got them all done. Uh, while, like I said, on paper, this doesn't look like a great matchup, there are some storylines to be had here. We got two back-to-back year number one quarterbacks going up against each other. We do have two mediocre to really crappy defenses. When we talk about the Jacksonville Jaguars, therefore, and there are some offensive skill sets. So there, there's fantasy implications heading into this matchup. Start on the Jacksonville Jaguars side of the ball. What are your expectations for James Robinson? I think that we're kind of excited about James Robinson's usage the last two weeks. Um, if you're a James Robinson owner, you're you feel good about he's out percent of the snaps. He's basically definitely a ball game. Cause kind of some touches here or there, rushing attack. Um, but overall, you have to kind of Jacksonville's defense good, and they tend to turn the ball over. In fact, they have if barely. I'm sorry. It's uh, Chris, uh, Chris, I hate to cut you out. We are having some trouble. Uh, getting you connected. You're getting frozen. You're kind of breaking. You're going in and out. If you could reestablish connection for us, please do so, and we'll get you right back into the show, and I'll just carry it on from here. James Robinson, uh, as Chris was saying there, yeah, James Robinson's definitely a play. For me, I got him at RB14 myself heading into this week. It's a great match against Cincinnati. Now, I want to be clear here. Cincinnati's been a little bit tougher against the run this season thus far. But the reason why this is still a good matchup and why I'm excited about it is because last week we finally saw the Jacksonville Jaguars start to figure out that they need to get some balance into that offense. They need to figure out a way to get somewhat of an identity. And Carlos Hyde, while he still got his you know few touches that he did, he got pushed a little further down. They allowed James Robinson to go more into that workhorse role that we saw a season ago that he was able to produce in, that he was able to excel at. So, and we were all asking ourselves, you know, when they're going to do this, like this is a proven running back. There's no reason not to bring this guy in here. And yet they want to keep playing Carlos Hyde. Well, last week we saw a flip to that. And now James Robinson coming in as my RB 14 on this week. We're going to try to get Chris back in here and see the established conditions a little bit better. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. Can you see me better now? Yeah, that's much, that's much better. You're clear. You're clear as a whistle. All right. So I talked about James Robinson's my RB 14. Go ahead and elaborate. Yeah, like I probably got cut off a little bit. I think that this is a game that, you know, you see the Bengals get up early. This is, you, you have confidence Jay Robinson is going to be involved in the passing game. You're kind of still worried about the red zone usage. Um, you're, you wonder if you're going to get kind of siphoned off the Carlos Hyde. But as I think you were talking about, Carlos Hyde is basically the RB2 in his backfield and it's getting clear and clear each week. Yeah, they're finally going to Robinson to be that clear cut guy. So I'm confident in Robinson being more of a high end RB2 this week. Going to the receivers. LaVisca Chenault's not a thing. In fact, I don't think we've hit this button on LaVisca Chenault. I'll do it now. Prepare to be flushed. If you still have him on your team for any reason because of the preseason hype that he was going along with him, drop him. Like I predicted, he's a third receiver on his own team, and he's only operating around the line of scrimmage. He's not going downfield, so it's either he has to catch the ball and he has to break one on his own. He's not going to put in situations to score touchdowns and to get those big plays. You know why? Because DJ Chark and Marvin Jones are the guys who are doing that. 
Marvin Jones coming in at wide receiver 26 for me. DJ Chark further down the list at wide receiver 40. But in this matchup, where I could see a lot of this, there is a potential shootout here in this game. I can see a lot of throwing, a lot of volume either way. DJ Chark is somebody that if you're looking at your matchups and you want to hit a home run, you want to have a big play, you want to have a touchdown threat in your lineup, he does fit that description for me. He's at wide receiver 40, something you can contemplate in your flex position. But Marvin Jones, to me, is just outside my wide receiver two group, high in wide receiver three. I think you can play him with some confidence, especially with the targets he's been seeing through the first three weeks. Last week was the first week of the season he hasn't scored a touchdown, but he's actually been very, very good so far. Yeah, Marvin Jones established himself as the clear-cut number one receiver in that in that group. Um, I think that you've seen that over the first three weeks you talked about. He has been you know, uh, Lawrence's favorite target, the guy he's looking for in, in big-time situations and also in short throws. So it's something that you definitely want to start Marvin Jones with some confidence. Um, Cincinnati could be without their top corner and also without Bates this week. So that's going to be huge. We talked about the DJ Shark opportunity. And, you know, we deal with Sharks, the, the guy who kind of stretches the field for that team is the big play guy. So he has got a chance to have a decent game because they won't see their top corner more than likely, and they're not going to have Bates out there. And Cincinnati's defense has been pretty good, but those two guys are been paramount for how their defense has been pretty good. So it's yeah, been really yeah. interesting to see what happens with that. Yeah, exactly. You hit the nail on the head there. Uh, Trevor Lawrence is not a shooting quarterback for me. I have to see him get comfortable. I have to see this offense allow him to get comfortable before I feel confident in it. He comes at QB 21. I just want to say this, though. I wouldn't be surprised if he turned in a decent fantasy football performance in this one. Urban Meyer getting in his ear last week about, hey, run the ball more. If you see an opening, you can move the change. Go ahead, take it down and run it. We'll see if that actually starts to come to fruition. If it does... He's somebody who might move up my board as far as quarterback streamers go. But right now, we kind of have to see it before you can trust it with anything. Uh, I'll mention this last thing about the Jaguars. They did trade for Dan Arnold from the Carolina Panthers. It's it's nothing as of now. We'll watch it. They do definitely have an opening for a tight end, somebody to emerge. There is some high volume in this offense, even though it's not the most efficient. We'll keep our eye on that for now. It's nothing to be concerned about, though. But we know how tight ends are. Anything that might have a pulse you might have to have it on your radar as far as a streaming opportunity goes. Move to Cincinnati side of the ball. Joe Burrow makes my top 12 this week. He is a top streaming quarterback against this Jaguars defense. You love the way him and Jamar Chase look. I know they're not going to have T. Higgins tonight, but still with Chase and Boyd and Joe Mixon, they have enough where Burrow can, from a fantasy perspective, put up some really nice numbers. And I actually do have him as a QB 12. So if you're looking for streamers, or if you've been playing, you know, two quarterbacks and you have Burrow as one of them, this is a week where I think he can make it into that QB one territory. Yeah, it's definitely a juicy matchup on paper. The only concern I would have is we basically have seen Burrow not really have a lot of volume. That's kind of why he has different fantasy numbers he's had. He's been pretty good out there. He's 14 for 18 last week. He looked really nice, but didn't have the big fantasy numbers. He had three touchdown passes, so that's what you're kind of looking for. If Cincinnati can get big in this game, though, they might not need him necessarily to throw the ball over the field, and that's where it's going to be interesting. I think he's got a kind of temporary expectations. Like I said, it's a juicy thing on paper. I don't blame you. I wouldn't be terribly, um, I wouldn't be terribly surprised if he doesn't have the great he's looking for. Uh, I, I see where you're coming from on that here. However, I disagree. I think this offense with Zach Taylor is built around the pass game, especially when they have the opportunity on primetime television to actually let loose. This is an opportunity you had to let loose against the Jaguars. He could throw the ball 25 times against the Jaguars and put up 300 yards and two touchdowns. That's the beauty of, it, especially the way these receivers are playing. So I feel pretty good about him. I mean, 
I don't obviously I have him at 12. I don't have him inside the top 10, but there's definitely a safe floor, I believe, with Joe Burrow this particular week. Obviously, you're playing Joe Mixon. There's no question there. He comes in my RB4 for the week. He's a top five play. He's getting tons and tons of volume. And for the first time in two weeks, he actually has a plus matchup heading into this ball game. So Joe Mixon in my top five. I don't think there's much to talk about there. Let's talk about Jamar Chase and the start that he's had. And it's just crazy to think that right before the season started, right at the end of draft season, really, People were, so myself included, the bells are going off. Beat writers were trashing him. He didn't look good in that preseason game. Everything they talked about came to fruition where he was having trouble getting separation. He was still dropping and fighting the ball. All of a sudden, week one, the light, the world lights come on, and this guy has been lights out the entire season. He's been absolutely phenomenal. He comes in at wide receiver 14 for me this week, a must-play, a high-end wide receiver too, very aggressive on Jamar Chase. And the biggest thing is, you know, the second factor of T. Higgins is out. So the target consolidation goes down to Jamar Chase and a Tyler Boyd, who I have at wide receiver 27. So I have him as a really nice wide receiver three play too. When you, can, when you consolidate those targets for those two guys in this matchup, they're both guys I want in my lineup. Then Jamar Chase could be a, st- a stud for me this week. Yeah, I definitely think you're starting Chase, and you have definitely have a good matchup. The only you know concerns I would have, in a sense, is the volume thing. Like I talked about, Chase is being super efficient, scoring touchdowns. He's not getting targeted more. I think his leading target in the game has been five, um, but he's just scoring at will. So you're kind of curious: will that continue? Can he continue to be that efficient? Will Burrow in the passing game be that efficient? So you talked about you know Burrow made three twenty-five times and still had three hundred yards. That's kind of what you're going to need to happen for these guys to really have the big ceiling you're looking for. I absolutely think there's no chance you don't play him this week. It's a great matchup. And then Boyd, I think, is one of the sneakier things. If you have maybe different options, if you're PPR, I think you definitely start him. If you're in a standard or half-point PPR, you might consider somebody else. Yeah. Honestly, I, I really truly think that we're going to see some points out of Jacksonville this week. I think you're going to get what you need to be aggressive throughout the game out of your fantasy players. I think this could be actually a shootout. I, I'm very interested to see what happens tonight, actually, even though it's Cincinnati versus Jacksonville. But let's move into our Sunday matchups. We're going to talk about Washington and Atlanta. Washington just got the crap kicked out of them against Buffalo on Sunday. That was, ooh, that was interesting. And good old Atlanta, good old Atlanta ooh, ooh. finds finds a way against the New York Giants. That was that was a pitiful game. But let's talk about Washington side first. Now a lot of people are going to be looking at this matchup and thinking to themselves, "Oh, Taylor Hennicky, he should be a streaming quarterback against Atlanta. He lit up the Giants on Thursday Night Football, which everybody was watching, and that's what they're all talking." Now he's QB nineteen for me. I don't know why you would want to trust a Taylor Hennicky. I have to imagine in 12-team, one-quarterback leagues, there are better options for you to stream out there or have on your team. I don't know why you'd want to have to trust this guy. I don't care that it's the Atlanta Falcons. He is QB 19 for me. I think a lot of this offense is going to flow through Antonio Gibson, who's my RB9, and, of course, Terry McLaurin, who makes my top 10 at receivers this week. He is my wide receiver eight. There's no reason to think he's not going to get targeted plenty. I know Curtis Samuel comes back to practice this week, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be back playing in this game. And even if he is, we have to see exactly how involved he's going to be, what his game shape is going to be. So I'm not worried about that. I think McLaurin gets plenty of targets in this game, and he gets consolidated down to him and Logan Thomas, and he's got a great matchup here. So I think Terry McLaurin will give you something similar to what he gave you in the Giants a couple of weeks ago. And, of course, Logan Thomas is my tight end six. That's what I'm centering around this week. And Antonio Gibson's case, Chris, you know this. We talk about this all the time. I am worried about J.D. McKissick not going away in the situations you need him to go away in. 
But this game, there's no reason why it shouldn't be a neutral to pro game script for the Washington football team for the majority of the game. And that's why he makes my top 10 this week because he should actually have a very good game on the ground and not be getting taken out for J.D. McKissick. So where are you at on Washington? Yeah, I agree with the Henneke points. The only time I would look at him is for DFS purposes if you're trying to you know, save some money at the quarterback position. Maybe it's a decent matchup. You can kind of throw him out there. But other than that, yeah, you shouldn't be playing him this week. I 100% agree Gibson has a blow-up week this week. He's got a great matchup on paper. Um, you talked about the game script and how it's kind of kind of unfold. This game, should, Atlanta shouldn't be blowing out Washington by any stretch of the means. You're excited to see him kind of healthy with that screen pass last week versus Buffalo. So you just kind of hope he gets more involved in the passing game overall. You'd have some concerns over third downs, but against this land defense, there might be a lot of third downs. Um, I think that Terry McLaurin's definitely a must start, and so is Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas is a nice tight end option for people out there. Somebody you want to consider where maybe a little cheaper, especially in DFS leagues, um, where you can get a guy who's going to have a chance to have a really good game because he's got a fantastic matchup. And I agree with you. I think these are the two guys in the backs are going to pretty much be involved in the passing game while everybody else is kind of losing window dressing. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Why? I, I need Washington to explain to me why they won't let Antonio Gibson just, just let him have the work. Sprinkle in J.D. McKissick, fine, but he doesn't have to have a 90% work share, but just why? He has two targets against Buffalo. He takes 173 yards and a touchdown to the house. He has that skill set, and they still just, and everyone wants to talk about, you know, a lot of the fantasy industry experts want to talk about, you know, he's, well, he's playing more on second and medium and, and third and medium. That's not where the targets are. The targets are in two-minute drills and third and longs. That's where the targets are for the running backs. So until he eats into that, his ceiling, unfortunately, gets capped at a point where you have to question each week, are you just a high in RB2 or can you be an RB1? And it's really frustrating to see. And this was really a trend of a lot of what we saw last week, which was terrible, logical coaching time after time after time. We're going to get into that as we go through the show. Uh, Milana actually being one of them because we're not impressed with Arthur Smith right now. This is a team that looks utterly just lost out there. But from a fantasy perspective, I think you have a good handle on what you need to do. Look, I'm actually going to start this off with Kyle Pitts. I know it's been frustrating. Chris and I warned you guys not to draft him where he was going in the fifth round because you didn't want to draft him at his ceiling, which is what that was. And this wasn't going to be a good team. However, having said that, there aren't too many tight ends out there who are getting more targets than Kyle Pitts was. Now, I know last week was a bit down, but before that, he's looking at seven and eight targets. You're not getting that consistently out of tight ends. And I think more consistently than not, you're going to get seven to eight targets out of Kyle Pitts. So while he hasn't scored yet and hasn't had the big game, he's a guy that I actually feel comfortable with playing in my lineups at my tight end position each and every week moving forward. I'm not souring on him whatsoever. He is somebody, however because he had the bad game last week and he hasn't scored yet to this point, that I do think is a buy-low candidate. What do you think about Kyle Pitts, Chris? Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely concerned about his usage. I mean, we did warn you, but I also thought Arthur Smith would be more creative using him. Yeah, it's, really, it's, kind of, it's really bad that you, you didn't get your first target to the fourth quarter. Um, and you, had, you had a big play on that final drive for Atlanta, had 25-yard catch. 
I think that you have to start him. I don't think there's probably most people who drafted him don't have any other better options really to go this week. But unfortunately, he's kind of that classic tight end where he's a boom and bust guy. Like, rather, you're going to get something out of him good or you're going to get nothing. Um, so I think that when you look at their op- op- options, unless you have one of those top three tight ends, you have to start Kyle Pitts because you're hoping eventually his talent will win out and he'll be more involved. And, it's, you know, this is a good matchup for him overall. Yeah, I like this matchup in particular for him. I wouldn't be surprised if this is where he gets off the schneid and gets into the end zone. I still have a tight end eight. I still have confidence in him moving forward and the athletic ability. And again, he should be the second receiver. I don't believe Arthur Smith is as bad, but it has been kind of brutal. They have no identity on offense right now. And it's showing through. Calvin Ridley comes in at my wide receiver seven. You can see to play him. The targets are there. I don't like the use. I don't just say I don't like the way they are utilizing him. He's getting the volume, which you're going to be fine with at the end of the day. But this whole Calvin Ridley operates, you know, within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage stuff, that's got to change eventually. Part, you know, part of it might be that, I mean, it's definitely Arthur Smith. The play calling is definitely different than it should be. But the other part of it, I do kind of wonder, is Matt Ryan done? I mean, there's a good chance that he could be. The guy hasn't attempted a 20-yard throw yet this season. So, I mean, that's where you have really have some serious concerns. Like, is he going to actually be willing to push the ball down in the field? The offensive line's kind of struggling, but no team has not had attempted a 20-yard pass yet. Um, so it's really concerning that this guy is basically just thinking, thugging all over the place. Watching my eye test, I still think he has a decent enough arm that he can push it down the field. I think he has some time. I'm just curious about this offense in general. It looks like they're running a very vanilla version of it, and it's more concerned about just getting rid of the ball quickly versus actually trying to score points. So that's where I think Matt Ryan's kind of struggling. I don't think he's necessarily lost it completely. I think more so it's just asking him to just to be a very much of a game manager and basically be a glorified Alex Smith out there. It's just, it's an interesting question because remember when Julio left, he said he wanted to get out because he wanted to go somewhere that he could actually get thrown the ball to down the field again. He was, so he was commenting on that. Now we have Matt Ryan without Julio, not even attempting to throw the ball down the field at all. I do agree with you to the eyeball test. What I was going to say is that he looks better than Ben Roethlisberger does to me, who I definitely think is done. And we'll talk about that later in the show. But at the same time, if you're unwilling to push the ball down the field, part of it might be the game script. Part of it's got to be you. And that's what I'm kind of curious to see how this whole thing plays out well, moving forward. Go ahead. I just want to point out, you talked about Calvin Ridley. You know, Calvin Ridley what, did play the majority of the season without Julio Jones. And Matt Ryan still was having way more of an average per pass to Calvin Ridley. And Calvin Ridley wasn't averaging nine yards per reception. I mean, that's what it boils down to. This guy's, this guy's playing a Cole Beasley role, so everybody's running short routes. You, you're you're setting your team up to be squeezed. They take no shots down the field. I feel like that's more of the problem right now than it is Matt Ryan. I, I tend to I tend to agree with that, but I think the question is still remains there. Uh, from a fantasy perspective, Calvin Ridley is a great player. He's getting the volume on a, on a team that is going to be trailing more times than not. I'm not worried about this. And this is actually a good matchup because Washington's secondary sucks. Uh, we got the running back situation here. Mike Davis, he comes in at RB25 for me. Cordell Patterson comes in at RB34. They're both RB3s. It just depends on, I think, what game script you think you're going to get. Do you think this is going to be a close game, in which case it probably will a little more volume will go to Mike Davis? Or do you think they're going to have to come back from behind, in which case a little more volume might go to Cordell Patterson? Patterson has the higher upside in any given match because he, he's just more explosive, plain and simple. And he's more involved in the passing game. They're about a 60-40 split right now when it comes to the carries. Uh, I'm not excited about playing either one of them, but they are both RB3s. They are both flex plays for me this week. 
Yeah, I 100% agree. I think these guys can both be playing your flex this week. I think that you have an opportunity for both of them to be involved, and they have been throughout the season. Patterson's more of that clear-cut receiving back, but one thing you kind of like about Davis is he's getting targeted. He's averaging about six targets per game, so you can't really beat that for most running backs. No. Um, and I think that gives them a safe floor. You kind of see this team's built around them getting the ball and then kind of pushing the throwing the ball to Calvin Ridley and once in a while remembering that they have Kyle Pitts who they picked for five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they're 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 best. You're just a clear rebuild. Just just why did you hold on to Matt Ryan? Why not trade him? Because clearly, clearly you're a rebuild all the way down from the root and stem. But let's get into the next game. Let's talk about Houston and Buffalo. We'll be real quick on Houston. Uh, Brandon Cooks, that's all you care about. He's been phenomenal for the first three weeks. Targets plenty all over the place. This is the best defense I believe they face so far. Carolina is a decent, they've been playing decently, but Buffalo's defense is for real this year. You can't run on them very effectively. And Tredavious White, we all know, is no joke. I got Brandon Cooks coming in at wide receiver 24. So he's at the back end of my wide receiver too. You still got to play him. The, the volume has been insane. He's been, he's been insane. I'm not saying to bench him. But I am saying lawyer expectations. I'm not thinking to myself, Brandon Cooks is going to be able to waltz in here, get 12 targets. He might get 12 targets, but get 12 targets and then wind up with 100 yards at the end of the game. I think this is a game we're going to see Houston in general. While they've looked like they're a scrappy, almost competent offense, I think you're going to see them get run into a buzzsaw in this matchup against the Buffalo Bills, and everyone's going to suffer as a result. I think Davis Mills is going to be way over his head in this game, and that's going to be the big factor as well. So just lower your expectations a little bit on Brandon Cooks, who's been playing more like a high-end wide receiver, too. I have him as a low-end wide receiver, too, at wide receiver 24 heading into this week. Just kind of keep that in mind as you're building out your lineups, especially against the Bills. I mean, where are you at on this, Chris? Yeah, I tend to agree. I think PPR-wise, you're going to be just fine. Um, you kind of saw Terry McLaurin face you get the white coverage last week, and he didn't have a big game, but he still was able to kind of be involved enough to get you PPR points. Give you, you something, so, yeah. Yeah, so I'm, I kind of how I feel Cooks. So you may not love him in standard league. You still could have a start him. He might have better options. He's still going to do something because he is the passing game, and they do move him to the slot, which is which is encouraging because that gets him away from white here and there. But overall, you can see that Mills only looks for him really in the passing game. That's why you have to kind of consider still rolling him out there because they have no other threat in the passing game right now. No, not at all. I'm just worried that Mills is going to. Uh, we're going to see the true colors of Mills this week potentially. We did last week. I mean, Bills I, yeah, I mean, we did, but it was still, it still wasn't. It wasn't actually as bad as I thought it would be going into that game. I think it might be horrendous this week against the Buffalo Bills with the way their defense is playing. Uh, by the way, play the Bills defense on the Bills side. Uh, you can pretty much play anybody and everybody you kind of want to. Josh Allen's going to be my number one quarterback this week. Back on track last week, Houston, not worried about that. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, both RB3s for me this week, believe it or not. I was a little surprised. I would only have one in there and the other one's outside the top 36. But Zach Moss comes in at RB27 for me this week. Devin Singletary, RB32. So both ha have them both at RB3s. This could be, and the reason for this is the matchup. It's a good matchup against Houston on paper, but it's more than just that. It's, it's the expected game script. I expect Buffalo to be up by multiple scores heading into the second half. They might actually run the ball in this instance. They actually had a decent time running the ball last week. I think it could be something similar with Zach Moss and Devin Singletary both getting involved. I think Stephon Diggs, if you wanted to buy a loan, Stephon Diggs, this was the last week to do it because I got him finishing as wide receiver four this week. He's been seeing the targets every single week. The production just hasn't been there to what you expected to to this point. I think he gets back on track against Houston here. Uh, 
Cole Beasley comes in at a wide receiver three for me, wide receiver 33. He's been getting a ton of targets as well. That's why he gets that boost in the floor. Manuel Sanders is somebody that you can play if you need a flex play, if you need a wide receiver three, but I have him more as a wide receiver four this week. Would I be shocked if he finished ahead of Cole Beasley? No, those guys are kind of, I think are going to be interchangeable throughout the game. It's just going to be a matter of how much do the bills pile on at the end of this game. So really that's kind of what you're looking at as far as that goes. And then last point, Dawson Knox, uh, he had a nice game. He's been getting some targets. A lot of people talking him up. I do have him coming in at tight end 13. So he is a streaming option for me, but he's not inside my top 12. So where are you out on Buffalo and everybody just threw at you with the Houston matchup here? Yeah. So one of the things I think is encouraging is you had Josh Allen, number one. I, I don't know if I go quite that high, but I do think it's a great a smash spot for him. You like the Bills where go throw the ball, even if they are up double digits. We saw that last week. They have no fear about continuing to throw the ball over the field. So that's why you can start most of these guys with their confidence. I agree with you. I think Zach Moss is the back to hand this week, particularly because I think there's going to be some turnovers on the, the Texans side. Um, and I think he's going to be some cheap, cheap touchdown opportunities. He's clearly the guy they want to use in the red zone. And he's becoming more and more involved in the passing game as well. So I think it's the guy you definitely want to kind of roll out there this week if you can. And then you talk about the receivers. Um, I, I think that all of them you can kind of start. Cole Beasley might be somebody I might just lean only in PPR purposes, and I would temper my expectations because he actually fall, He actually has probably the toughest matchup. Desmond King has been really pretty good. He's one of the better slot corners out there. That's all that Houston kind of has in their secondary. Um, so he might not be the guy who's primarily utilized, but you, all of them have decent floors. And you know that because they throw the ball so much, even if they're up, all these guys should be able to put up points. Yeah, And uh, Dallas Knox is – Knox Knox is a good, interesting one. The only problem you worry about him is his volume. He's basically getting you touchdowns, and that's what you're kind of living off of right now. But most tight ends are that way anyway. Well, and that's kind of my point. That's why it comes at tight end 13 for me, because there's really no difference between him and the rest of those tight ends. I always say this. It's, it's between tight end 9 and tight end 16. Anybody who falls in that range is who you're looking to stream, and they're all the same. You're, you're, hoping, you're hoping for a touchdown or an abnormal amount of volume in that particular week. That's all, that's all you're really looking for. So he falls in with those line of tight ends. Let's talk about Detroit and Chicago. A lot of storylines outside of fantasy football here to talk about. Let's start on the Chicago side of the ball, shall we? Matt Nagy, I hate you. First of all, this guy should have been fired on Monday. Justin Fields didn't play well, and I'm not here to defend, you know, Justin Fields' play on Sunday. However, you're a coach with a rookie quarterback who has a certain skill set. That's the game plan, or I should say lack thereof, that you came out with. We've already been bashing him all year long for taking back the play calling for Bill Lazor when the offense was actually successful last year. You roll out there and have no answers, nothing to help him out. You just let your rookie get sacked nine times, no screens, no schematic blocks, no nothing, no easy reads, nothing. Did nothing to help him out. And the only thing I can come up with is that being that Mac Nagy is stupid. His thought is that he has, in order to win his job back, because he's right now, I would say he knows that he's on the way out and he's trying to win his job back. And he thinks the best way to do that is to try to win games, which generally speaking, it would be. And he thinks the best way to win games is with Andy Dalton. He couldn't be more wrong. The way he wins his job back is if he starts Justin Fields and under Fields, that offense, including him himself, shows marketed improvement. That's how he wins his job back. It's not going to be about wins and losses for Chicago Bears this year. Never was once you brought in Justin Fields. But because he's that dumb, we're now looking at a situation here where 
Andy Dalton and Justin Fields are both practicing, and he keeps on his standpoint that Andy Dalton is the QB1 if healthy. And I talked about this last week. I said he needs to be fired if he tries to bring Andy Dalton back in here after starting Justin Fields. I've ranked this as if Fields is going to be the one starting this week because I still think Andy Dalton dealing with the knee injury is going to be a question if he's really able to go or not. And then you have to love the comments. Well, it could be Nick Foles this week, too. Who knows? I mean, this guy's an idiot. He's a moron. Unfortunately, from a fantasy standpoint, it's killing everybody. Allen Robinson has been a dud. David Montgomery has been okay. Cole Komet can't get involved. Darnell Mooney can't get involved. I think better days are ahead because if this keeps up, if they lose to Detroit this week, I think there's a real chance Matt Nagy, if he's not fired this week, will be fired before the end of the season. I think there's a real chance to happen. And then you'll start to see, then the play calling get turned over to Bill Lazor. You'll start to see the offense open up from a fantasy standpoint. So I'm optimistic about Allen Robinson and David Montgomery rest of season. But man, right now, is it brutal? And you're looking at this Detroit matchup as you need to get right here. Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame fantasy owners if they wound up panicking on those guys. Don't. They have a nice schedule down the road. Things will change. Matt Nagy's not going to be calling plays for the rest of the season if it looks like this. But this is a nightmare. This is a nightmare on Sunday. And this is not all on Justin Fields. In fact, I would say 25% of it's on Fields. 75% of it is on the coaching staff. What did you think when you saw that Sunday, Chris? Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, RingCentral makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at RingCentral.com. RingCentral. Simpler communications. I, we all know based on the off season and then throughout this show that I am not a Matt Nagy fan. I agree with you. I think he's a total moron. But even I was surprised just how stupid he used Fields and how <laughs> obvious that playbook was. That they were they basically ran what they were running with Andy Dalton. It was that they didn't adjust their offense at all and they wanted to be a quick passing t- attack. And this has been my concern with with Matt Nagy in general. The Bears team has a pretty good defense. They're built to be a physical football team. They're not built to pass protect. They're not built to spread you out and throw the ball four yards. They're not, they don't have Tom Brady back at quarterback. They're not accurate with the guys. But he wants to schematically kind of create that situation, and I think that's the problem we're running into. Don't forget, this is the guy who was the offensive coordinator when Alex Smith was having those check down city in Kansas City. So I think he's trying to re-bring, bring that back a lot of ways. And what you're not using is what the talent you have. Ava Montgomery was disappointingly used last week. Yeah, you got 10 carries. Yeah, the game wasn't really close. But if you were going to have a chance, that's what you had to build your offense around was Justin Fields and David Montgomery and kind of trying to establish the run and being a, a physical team. What you can't do is just keep dropping back and get your quarterback set nine times. So for me, I think until Nagy goes, and you have more confidence than I do that he's going to get fired because this guy should have been fired two years ago. Keeps getting another chance. The GM yeah, keeps getting another chance. 
I mean, we watched Nick Foles. We watched Mike Lennon. What, I mean, what else can we sit there and watch at the quarterback position and how atrocious this offense has progressed over the last few years? We saw Bill Lazor give us hope. But all offseason, I tried to warn you that my biggest concern with the Bears and their playmakers was Matt Nagy. Mm-hmm. Even Al Robinson, people kept talking about the targets. So he gets the targets when Matt Nagy was there. They're different kinds of targets. He doesn't know how to utilize his fucking re- freaking receivers. And it's, 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 it's incredibly disappointing because I think right now, if you're an Al Robinson, you don't want to trade him because you're going to get pennies on the dollar. And you talked about their you know, schedule going on down the season. It is nice matchups. If they don't do well this game, though, I think you have to start considering doing that. So for me, I'm starting Al Robinson this week because you have him. This is the time you're going to play him. You have to hope that there's going to be better days. But if he doesn't have a good game this week versus this horrible secondary in Detroit, you better start getting really, really concerned because it's going to be real, real bad for you the rest of the season. Because I don't think anybody else in this passing attack is going to step up. Darnell Mooney's, you know, coming out party is never going to exist. And even Montgomery, to me, his floor is getting shorter and shorter because this guy doesn't know how to get involved. Now, one encouraging thing with Montgomery's thing is he is he's out there and he's out there during passing situations too. We saw that, you know, the um, what's this guy's name? Damian Williams. And Damian Williams kind of utilized in that first week a lot. But a part of that was Montgomery got banged up. Since then, you see him being less and less involved, and his percentage of usage is going less and less involved. So that's the only thing I can think is positive on the Bears' side right now. But, yeah, it's it's super concerning what's going on in this offense. Yeah, I'm going to show a vote of confidence to David Montgomery and Allen Robinson for this week. Robinson coming in at wide receiver 22 for me, so he is a star. He's a, he's a wide receiver too, and I'm giving David Montgomery – I know because he's getting the carries regardless, I'm actually very confident about David Montgomery this week against the Detroit Lions. I got him at RB12. I do think you're going to get enough offense out of these guys where they will be able to perform for you. Those two, at least, will be able to perform for you against the Detroit Lions because it's just very hard not to. Even if Fields winds up being the quarterback this week, which I do expect to have, I have my QB18. Nothing you're streaming, but maybe DFS if you're looking at that one. I'll do a contrarian cheap play after last week. I have a hard time believing even a Matt Nagy situation that you can come out and not call a single RPO action this week again against the Detroit Lions if Justin Fields is going to be the starting quarterback. And even if it is Andy Dalton, because it's Detroit, I'm going to show some trust to David Montgomery and Allen Robinson to be able to get at least a little bit back on track this week. So I'm definitely playing those guys. But if they don't show up this week, then I think you're going to have a lack of confidence in either one of them until something drastic changes on that coaching staff, either Matt Nagy handing over the play calling back to Bill Lazor or him just getting outright fired altogether. So that's where we're at in the Chicago Bears. Fields, I'm not not streaming him this weekend in redraft leagues. On the Detroit Lions, Detroit Lions are great for fantasy football purposes. Why? Because nothing changes. You know exactly what you're going to get and exactly who you need it out of. TJ Hawkinson, my tight end four. DeAndre Swift, my RB11. Jamal Williams is an RB3. He's at RB29 for me. All the targets go to them. All the volume goes to them. The whole offense goes to them. And Chicago's defense hasn't been that great. And DeAndre Swift, I, the, I'm really excited about him moving forward. First of all, he's been phenomenal. He, he, he does look like a young Alvin Kamara out there, which is what I was hoping for. But then you have the coaching staff this whole week talking about he's getting a little bit more healthy. And we need to get him even more involved, especially carrying the football. Sounds like his volume's about to go up a little bit too. So he could be an RB1 as long as he's healthy the rest of the way with the way this offense is built. They proved against Baltimore. He's he's matchup proof because of how involved he is in the passing game. So this is what I love about the Lions. I know what to expect 
who to expect it from, and I could play all of them accordingly. Almost matchup proof because of the volume consolidated to those three players. Yeah, I mean, I think basically, you know, the running backs are always going to be involved in the passing gap, which gives them all floors. Um, you're always curious to which who's going to kind of the touchdown of the game. Sometimes it's both of them, but that is offense is revolved around the backfield. So you do kind of, kind of be able to start with both those guys with confidence. Williams more so as a flex play. Um, and then you talked about Hawkinson. I kind of warned you guys last week that I thought the matchup versus Ravens is going to kind of be a tougher one for him. He only had one catch for 10 yards, but you'd expect this to you know, kind of go out the window. Chicago notoriously for the last few years has always struggled, even when they were a good defense against tight ends. So this is a, he's clearly the number one option on his offense. That's definitely a guy you want to start this week. Breaking news. Antonio Brown officially back in the building, officially off the COVID list and practicing. You can expect Antonio Brown to play against the New England Patriots. We'll preview that game a little bit later on in the show. I want to get a word in from our sponsor. We still have a lot more to preview here on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. So everybody stay tuned after this, and we'll be right back with more picks. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boost contests and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. And it only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code MDFANTASY to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code MDFANTASY. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Welcome back, MD Nation. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And of course, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Make sure you check us out all throughout the weekend. As this is our only episode for the preview show. The full preview. So check us out on your favorite pod streaming app. iHeart, Google Play, iTunes, Spotify, Spreaker, wherever. And we will be on our normal times on the Unhinged Radio Sports Network still this week. 6 to 7.30 tonight, 6 and 7.30 tomorrow, 12 to 1 on Sunday at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. Chris, I'm so concerned getting the uh, the fantasy football analysis out because we got a crunch show that I, I forgot to give the picks. So let's go back and give these betting lines real quick for each of the games that we just talked about in the first segment. And then we'll hop into the uh, second segment here, starting off with tonight's game. Cincinnati Bengals are seven and a half favorites. So minus seven and a half on them, the over under set at 46. I'm actually going to bet the over on this game myself. Where are you at on those two bets? If I were to bet on this game, which I don't highly advise, if I were to bet on this game, I'd actually bet on the, the Cincinnati is not going to cover. I'd bet on Jacksonville. It's going to be with a more than seven points. Well, see, here's the thing. I feel like if you feel that way, then it's going to go over because that means Jacksonville is actually going to find a way to score points in this game because I don't think the Jaguars can actually stop the Cincinnati Bengal offense. So I do think there'll be points, maybe go seven and a half for the Jaguars and over the 46 mark. Now, those two bets would coincide with one another. Uh, Washington and Atlanta, 
This is pretty much a pick'em game, believe it or not. Now, uh, Washington's favored minus one and a half on the road against Atlanta. The over/under set at forty-seven and a half. I would probably bet the under actually in that game. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points scored in this ball game, but I would bet on Washington winning this game, essentially covering the minus one and a half. I do think while they've had a lot of woes, they're still better than the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, I think I, I definitely agree with that. I think if you're going to bet on this game, you bet on Washington to win. They're the clearly more talented team. And if this defense struggles versus Atlanta, then there's some serious concerns. This defense isn't even close to what people thought it was. Yeah, agreed. And Washington will probably be one of my DFS streaming defenses too because people are so far off of them because they had the bad game against the Giants. They got killed against Buffalo last week. But to your point, look, if you if you're that if that defensive line can't show out against this offensive line, the Atlanta Falcons, then you're screwed for the rest of the season, pretty much. So I don't see how that doesn't happen here in this game to get back on track. Chicago Bears Detroit Lions game. It's minus two and a half in favor of Chicago in Chicago. The over-under set at 42. I think that's actually about right. I'm not going to touch the over-under in this game because I who knows where it's going to go. I want Detroit plus two and a half in this game. And I even would think about Detroit on, on the money line at plus 125. I think Detroit wins. They have an identity. They're playing scrappy. They should have beat Baltimore last week if it wasn't for some miracle plays. They're down by the stretch. And I think they're just heading in a better direction than Chicago is right now with all the woes that they had and looking completely lost. So I'm actually going to take Detroit on the money line in this game at plus 125. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue strongly against that. I, I think Chicago should win this game just because defensively they are a pretty good tackling team. And as a result, Detroit's offense is built around this volume of trying to get guys involved. So I think this game should be fairly close. I think the defense is a little bit better on Chicago's side. But I, I couldn't argue strongly that you can't take that bet from Detroit. All right. And last game we talked about in the first segment of the show, the Houston Texans and the Buffalo Bills. Chris, you ready for this? Minus 16 for the Buffalo Bills. Over, under, set at 47. I'm actually going to bet the over because I think the Bills by themselves could put up 35 to 40 points in this game. So I am going to take the over on that and feel pretty good about it. Minus 16. I mean, it's hard to argue, but I I no matter what the situation is, I do tend to get a little bit turned off by such high lines in the NFL. What do you think about that game? Yeah, I 100% agree. I think that's kind of a trap game for betters. Um, usually you think that, you know, Buffalo is definitely a superior team, but with garbage time points, it's always an opportunity for teams to kind of get script, you get to that, you know, point spread. And I think that's where a number you don't necessarily want to touch. I think that the favor is pretty good. I agree with going on the over though. I think Buffalo is going to score points in this game. Um, and I think that's something that you're going to see that I think, you know, getting, they're going to score 30. I agree with that. So I do think it's an easy thing that you can kind of look for the over on this game. All right. Now we got you all caught up on the bets. We can get into our second segment of games, Carolina Panthers and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I should mention though, we're not going to have a mailbag segment at the end of the day because we're so jam packed. But if you guys are watching live on social media or on the YouTube channel, comment in, I will try to get some comments as we go along here uh, if you need to do so. But remember, We'll be available to you guys on social media all week long at BellyUpMVFF Show if you have any fantasy football questions whatsoever. Some of you have been hitting me up lately, and it's been really nice, and we will uh, help you out there. All right, so we get into Carolina and Dallas. Dallas coming off the big win, of course, against the Philadelphia Eagles in Monday Night Football. Carolina's had the extended week off because they had Thursday Night Football a week ago in an easy matchup. Sam Darnold, unfortunately, is QB 16 for me. God, that feels gross, but that does make him a streaming option this week, potentially in that range. But Dallas's defense proved on Monday night that they're better than they were a year ago. 
They have weapons. They have Mika Parsons. They have blitzers. They have a guy who, to me, looks like he's turning into a top-end corner in Trey Diggs. I mean, he looks he's an athlete. He's big. He's reading really well in the backfield. He's reading the quarterbacks really well. He just looks very, very comfortable out there. And I think he's turning into a stud. I really do. So they have different pieces throughout the level of that defense. They're still not a great defense or a good defense, maybe even, but they're a competent defense. And right now, a competent defense is probably more in the Carolina Panthers. Well, I guess they had the Saints too, but the Saints were really banged up that week. So they might be a more competent defense than what the Carolina Panthers seen to this point. And there's no Christian McCaffrey. So I still have a lower floor on Sam Darnold. Shocker, I know. But that's he's still with my QB6 team. Of course, McCaffrey, we'll talk about him. His... He's not going to make the IR, so that's the good news, meaning they think he's going to be back within three weeks. Chris, I think you and I agree with this. I think week six is where they're aiming for. There is a possibility in week five because it was graded out as less than a grade one hamstring strain. So there is some possibility that he'll be back potentially next week. But I think week six, playing it safe with McCaffrey after coming off the calf injury last year would be the smarter way to go for this team, especially since they're sitting at 3-0. They don't need to rush him back. So I think that's more likely. What are you looking at McCaffrey, and what do you think Hubbard's going to do in his stead? Yeah, I agree with that. I think Carolina is going to play is kind of play with house money right now because they don't think they're expected to be 3-0. So I definitely think even if they lose this game, you're going to see McCaffrey be pushed more to the side of caution, and I would expect him back before week six. Um, having said that, Chubba Hubbard's probably the number one pickup for most people in waivers this week. So if you picked him up, you're probably playing him. I would temper expectations a little bit with people. Everybody thinks he's going to kind of have that glorified, he's going to be clear cut back. Royce Freeman is going to be involved in this offense, particularly on third downs, particularly on pass protection situations. Chubba Hubbard hasn't really shown he can do either one of those things. And I think you're going to see a situation where it's going to be more of a split people kind of expect to. I think Chubba Hubbard is still going to be the number one back in the backfield to own. But I think Royce Freeman is going to be annoying for people more so than they think he is. I don't know if he's going to be that involved. I, I would tend, I thought what you did before last Thursday, that if something were to happen to Chris McCaffrey, Royce Freeman would be the guy kind of more on third downs because he can pass protect a little bit better. But that wasn't what happened. McCaffrey went down. Hubbard played. He dominated the targets, dominated snap count really in general. But they didn't seem to have a problem with him being out there on third and longs. Now, what I do question and what I do wonder about heading into this week is that when they get inside the five, do they let Hubbard be in there or do they bring in Royce Freeman? There was an instance last week where they brought in Royce Freeman in that situation. So I wonder about that part more so than I wonder about the third downs and the pass protection because I feel like if they were worried about it. We would have seen that more so last week, and that's not what happened. They left Hubbard out there. Well, they were also a bit big in that game. They're playing Texas, which they weren't worried about losing that game. And Chubba Hubbard only had two opportunities in pass protection. He did pick up both the blitzes. He did do a good job. He was, but it was only two opportunities to pass protect. So I do think it's going to still be something to remain to be seen with this game, especially if it's more competitive. I have him basically on a 70-30 split, which I think is going to be right about that number. Hubbard coming in at RB17 for me this week. I don't think this is a pushover match against Dallas. They have a decent front seven. And I've been saying that all year long. I don't think you're just going to run all over them. But I do think he'll be more involved in the passing game than Royce Freeman will. He will get the majority snaps, the majority of the carries. He's not going to be efficient every time. This is not an efficient runner, but he's explosive. They catch some guys on the outside zone. He has the wheels to make big chunk plays. I think you're going to get a few of those. Definitely an R, a solid RB2 for me this week. Don't expect him to put up RB1, Christian McCaffrey-like numbers, obviously, but just don't expect him to be an RB1 this week. At RB17, you're definitely plugging and playing him in your lineup in my book. The other guy we got to talk about is DJ Moore. 
I'm much lower than ECR is on him. Apparently, and I was shocked by this when I was doing the rankings last night. ECR has him inside the top 10 this week. And all I could think to myself was, who do you think Diggs is going to cover? Is it not going to be shadowing DJ Moore? I know he didn't shadow last week, but he did shadow the week before, and he shadowed in week one, too. When they feel the need, he does that. DJ Moore got a little bit banged up last week. I don't think he has a crazy great game. I have him at wide receiver 19. You're still starting him. But I do think he's more of a wide receiver two than a wide receiver one in this matchup. Where are you at? So I tend to disagree. Well, I think there's a good chance he could be matched up with him. I think this is the kind of receiver that gives him a hard time. DJ Moore gets in and out of his breaks. You saw him matched up with Mike Evans. That's who he matched up week one and kind of shadowed. I see him better being better with the bigger receivers. I think he's going to struggle with the quicker guys. So for me, DJ Moore gets moved around. And he's clearly they're obviously the top passing priority in this offense. So I like DJ Moore a lot this week. Yeah, I, I tend to disagree. I think you're going to see him cool off a little bit this week. I got him at wide receiver 19. I feel good about it. Either way, you're playing him. It doesn't really matter as far as that standpoint goes. And I continue to not have Robbie Anderson sniffing anywhere near my top three receivers. In fact, Robbie Anderson should be on your waiver wires if he's not already. But at the very least, if you don't want to drop him because you're still hoping out hope that he turns a corner at some point, at least keep him on your bench until you actually get to see it, until his target share goes up. Yeah, sure. He could always take one play to the house. But you're not trying to bank on that in redraft leagues. That's a DFS move. That's not a, that's not a redraft move. So you should be having him on his on the bench until he starts to show that he's going to get more targets. Now, Matt Roll did talk about wanting to get Robbie Anderson more involved. So you do have a sliver of hope in that maybe they'll start to utilize him a little bit differently or make more of a point of emphasis to get him the ball. Maybe that target share goes up. But until you see it, there's no reason to trust it when it comes to Robbie Anderson from what I understand, it sounds like Tommy Tremble is going to be the tight end, which has been a long-running joke for with uh, me and Chris throughout the offseason, the Tommy Tremble, Brevin Jordan. And it looks like I might have the upper hand. You're not playing Tommy Tremble, though, so I'm not going to get into that too much. Any comments you have for uh, Robbie Anderson? Yeah, um, so the reason I, I, I think it is encouraging for anybody who does still have Robbie Anderson that Matt Rule came out and talked about it. However, I think this is a bad matchup for him. I think he's going to see a lot of Mullen. And I think for me, the guy that's sleeper to kind of play this receiver is going to be Terrence Marshall. I wouldn't be surprised by the end of this season if he out-targets Robbie Anderson. He's a safe throw. He's a slot guy. You've seen Sandor historically loves to use a slot receiver. You've seen Christian Caffrey out right now, so the short passing game might be built around Terrence Marshall out of the way. So he's my sleeper, especially in PPR leagues this week to play. All right, all right. Let's talk about Dallas. Prescott, while he's been playing great, he hasn't been really knocking down the doors from a fantasy football perspective. And – I actually have him as QB 11 in this game. I might be a little too low. I might look to try to move him up as we get closer to the weekend. But right now, initial rankings, initial statting out, he does come in at QB 11 for me. The big reason why he's not lighting the world on fire from a fantasy football perspective is that this offense is so complete, and Kellen Moore has them playing like it. They'll run it on down your throat with Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, or they'll throw it but it's not an automatic 40 pass attempts for Dak Prescott. And that also goes to the defense being competent. They don't have to constantly score every single drive because that defense is now getting a few stops here and there. And I think they'll be able to do that the same in this game. So you're not seeing the same type of volume that you saw at the beginning of last year. He's still a QB one for me. You're still going to play him, but he doesn't necessarily have that top five, top eight, I believe heading into this matchup. What do you think about Dak Prescott this week and rest of season really? Yeah, so I think it's going to depend on matchups more so when you feel super confident Dak Prescott's going to be a top five or top ten quarterback to roll out there. I agree with you. This is a game where it kind of sets up for him to be more of a game manager. Um, 
there are the big play opportunities there because we saw J.C. Horn get hurt for Carolina. They made the trade for C.J. Henderson. We still have remains to be seen how effective he's going to be. So you can attack the secondary, but they have a pretty good pass rush. What I think is going to be interesting is if if the defense has been really opportunistic, they haven't just been pretty solid, but they've been causing turnovers left and right. Sam Darnold, we all know, has a tendency to turn the ball over. So if they can get up easy in this game, up 14-0 real quick, I think it could be an easy game for Dak Prescott to kind of sit there and hand the ball off a lot. So I would temper my expectations versus how productive he's going to be and how high the numbers are going to be. For the rest of the season, I think it's just going to depend on the matchups. When you have offenses that can score with Dallas, then he's going to be probably more apt to be having numbers. But if you have a team that they can kind of squeeze and just be more efficient like they were with the Eagles last week, you're going to see what you saw. Meaning the entire NFC East. And that's kind of that's kind of the thing that goes into that. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, he's, a, you know, he's number 10 running back. You're playing him. But Tony Pollard is interesting. He's RB41 for me this week. He's involved enough to where he can be considered to be a flex play any given week. But what you also saw last week remains to be true, I think, for the rest of the season, as long as Ezekiel Elliott is healthy. When it comes down to wearing the game out, it's going to be Elliott. When it comes to the goal line, it's going to be Elliott. Now, if they're in high-scoring games, you'll see Pollard probably be more involved in the passing game and more involved in those type of games. But while he will get enough touches to always be flex considerate, it's not going to be like week two performances every single week unless it has to be. So you have to keep that in mind. This is not a game we're just talking about with Dak Prescott in which I think he has to be involved on a big way in the passing game. You're going to see Ezekiel Elliott's goal line wearing the ball out in the fourth quarter. That's why he comes in at RB41 for me. So only in a desperate situation would I be playing him but again, he can. I think he will get 10-plus touches any given week, which with his explosive ability does make him a flex consideration. Where are you on Tony Pollard this week and rest of the season? Yeah, I think he's definitely kind of a guy you have as an option for a flex every week. I think they're bringing out ways to kind of manufacture touches for him. He's kind of a poor man's cream hunt in this offense. Um, you kind of talked about his role. I think that he's not just a one like passing that, by the way. That's a nice comparison. Uh, I think he's just involved in the passing game. They figure out different ways. They line up receiver. They give him jet sweep actions. They give him some handoffs. So he's a guy who's pretty explosive enough, and particularly when they get up, they seem to like to get him more involved to kind of save Zeke, quote-unquote. So you're right about Zeke being utilized mostly in the red zone, but I think you're going to see Pollard kind of continue to be involved, particularly when they get up if double-digit scores. So I like Tony Pollard as the flex play from now and probably throughout the season as an option, but I just I definitely agree with you that it's guy that you kind of temper expectations, which you got that one week two, isn't going to be the norm necessarily. Right, and just don't get blown away by that. Uh, the wide receivers, obviously, you're starting C.D. Lamb. He comes at wide receiver 11 for me. He's been the more consistent wide receiver through three weeks. Amari Cooper is wide receiver 16. Like we talked about, especially no J.C. Horn, you can't attack this team through the secondary. I think the wide receivers will be fine with their volume. I think we've seen improvement from what we saw against Philadelphia because the big key for me, what happened against Philadelphia, is the tight ends should not be as involved as they were due to the game script. Dalton Schultz is tight end 23. He is not a streaming option for me. I know he's been getting talked up a lot after the week that he just had. I understand it. Tight ends, anytime they show a flash, everyone wants to jump on them because they're just looking for, again, a tight end with a pulse. I understand the tight end, generally speaking, is not that involved, and you still have Schultz and Blake Jarwin splitting about the snaps. And Schultz, while he he out-routed him last week, uh, the week before that, Jarwin was actually even keel with Dalton Schultz as far as routes run. There's nothing to take with any kind of confidence. I leave my tight end 23. They'll be less involved this week, which is why it goes back to the receivers having a better week uh, there. Any comments there? 
Yeah, I totally agree with what you're talking about, the tight end position. I got burned last week because Blake Jarwin was the more targeted tight end going into last week. Uh, Dalton, I started him in a DFS game just because I thought it would be a good play, but Dalton Schultz had the big black breakout. I think you can't predict which of these guys is going to be the primary usage because they're splitting time so equally. And I think this is going to be a game where Kellen Moore makes an effort to try to get the receivers back on track because they were so underutilized, so to speak, last week. I think they're going to be the prime focus of the passing game. All right, betting this game. This is going to be a hard game to bet. Well, maybe not too hard. We got the Dallas Cowboys at home, minus four and a half favorites. But the over-under set at 50. I think I like the over. I think there's going to be a good amount of points scored in this game. I think it's going to be back and forth throughout. I think I would lean towards the over, and I feel pretty good about taking Dallas at minus four and a half. I think they win this game. Where are you at? I absolutely feel really good about taking Dallas four and a half in this game. The over-under, I I struggle with because I can see Dallas putting up points. I'm curious to see what Carolina shows up. I figure we really haven't got a litmus test of what they're going to be with Christian McCaffrey because the Texans were on, they were already up so big in the Texas game. And Texas offense was so putrid. They kept getting the ball back over and over and over again. I mean, they kind of overcame Sam Darnold getting lucky that his center recovered two fumbles for himself. So I am really curious to see, this, like I talked about, the Dallas defense turning the ball over and getting opportunistic turnovers. It could be a blowout in my pick. All right, there you go. So definitely lock it in. I'll be on one of our lock bets of the week. Dallas minus four and a half. Let's move into the Colts and Dolphins game. This could be a really ugly game. This could be this could be a really ugly game. Let's start on the Colts side of the ball here. Obviously, you're not streaming Carson Wentz, but he didn't suffer any setbacks last week, so that's the good news there. And you need Carson Wentz to play if you want to play Michael Pittman, who comes in at wide receiver 31 for me. He will always be a wide receiver three as long as T.Y. Hilton is out and Carson Wentz is on the field. By the way, Hilton getting closer to returning, I guess, but is not going to practice this week. They're not going to activate him off the IR. So we stay tuned on that aspect of it. But Michael Pittman has been dominating the targets since week one after Zach Paschal. And like I said, Wentz is out there. He is a wide receiver three for me. This isn't a greatest matchup, but the volume, the target consolidation comes into play for me here. What do you think about Michael Pittman as a potential flex wide receiver three play this week? I'd prefer not to play him if I could. I would prefer I think not to play him too. I think it's a real tough matchup. The Dolphins, you know, secondary is the strength of their defense. You want to see who Howard's kind of matched up on. So for me, I'd probably avoid playing him if I can. But he's not somebody, if you have no other better options, yeah, I think he's a solid three flex play. Yeah, and, and the reason I still feel confident about that, you look at the Raiders, they still had good production out of their wide receivers because it comes back to Jacoby Brissett and this Dolphins offense is just so inefficient. It keeps giving the ball back to the opponent's offense over and over and over again, enough where that defense gets worn down. I think you saw it last week. I think you might see it again to some degree this week. That's why I'm okay with Michael Pittman at wide receiver 31. Obviously, you have to play Jonathan Taylor. He's my RB15 this week. If anything, the take out of the Peyton Barber fiasco a week ago is that apparently you can smash it down the throat of the Miami Dolphins. Will the Colts stick to that, I think, is the more question right now because they haven't been sticking to that and their offensive line hasn't been great. But if they do and they get Jonathan Taylor 16 or more carries in this game, I think he will provide you with a solid RB2. The problem you're running in with Taylor is the same problem you ran in with him last year, same problem you'll always run into with Frank Reich there and being that they just extended Naeem Hines, Naeem Hines too. He's always going to be there to cap his touches, especially in the passing game to at least some degree and be annoying enough on the ground game. The only good news is that they cut ties with Marlon Mack. So you don't have to worry about him being a factor at any point this season anymore, but that hasn't really been the issue to this point anyway. So he's an RB 15. He should be higher than that. 
he's better than that. But until they actually commit to him, which I think I do think will happen at some point this season, but he can't trust it's going to happen right now. So Taylor RB 15 and Naeem Hines at RB 36 for me, especially in half point PPR leagues, what we base this off of because he's just involved in the passing game every single week. What do you make of this backfield? Yeah, I think long-term, I agree with the concerns. But right now, this week versus the Dolphins, I'm rolling Jonathan Taylor out there with confidence. You have a lot of good things going for you right now. Number one, Jonathan Taylor is the top usage red zone running back. He's got the most carries of means inside the red zone. And he hasn't scored a a touchdown yet. But (laughs) we talk about regression. This is a chance of progression where I think the numbers are going to start balancing out for this guy where he's due to score. You also talk about the Dolphins' defense. It wasn't just Barber who did well against him. Every team has run the ball well against them. Zach Moss got two touchdowns versus them. They had Damian Harris run all over them week one. So this is something where I feel like it's a trend for this defense. Their secondary is their strength. They are not going to stop in the run. All the Patriots in the past. So I do think this is how you're going to attack them. I know the concerns are about Taylor getting his touches, but you saw him be very effective. He's still explosive out there. He still looks good. I'm, I'd be more concerned about Nelson you know, being banged up and how healthy he is than anything. But even so, I think that it was clearly obvious that Carson Wentz can't carry this team. I think things are going to be close. So I think Jonathan Taylor should be heavily involved, and I definitely would start him with confidence. Naheem Hines is also somebody I think you can consider as a flex play, particularly in PPR leagues. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a leading passing receiver for the Colts offense this week because of Carson Wentz's need to kind of rid the ball quickly and because I don't really love the receiver matchups. I think Naheem Hines is a guy that you can kind of put out there, especially in, like I said, PPR leagues, because I think he's going to continue to get that volume. And what you're excited about is starting to get more carries when Marlon Mack isn't active, which was nice last week. We actually saw him with the ball again. Yeah, I, I think Jonathan Taylor is a buy-low candidate now. But here's what I'll say. If he gets vultured by his own team again this week and doesn't have a great fantasy week, you have one more week to buy-low on him because he's playing against Baltimore next week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. People often wonder how they're going to survive winter. Survive? Winter is meant to be savored. If you've been merely surviving, come let us show you how it's done. The right way to winter is closer than you think in the Petoskey area of Michigan. After that, Houston, San Francisco, Tennessee, the Jets, the Jaguars. You don't run into another tough matchup until the Buffalo Bills in week 11. Like I said, I think things are going to change for this team, I think they're going to start to give the ball back to Jonathan Taylor. We saw at the end of last season where suddenly, you know, Frank Reich had this come to Jesus moment. Like, hey, you know what? Maybe if I get the ball to Jonathan Taylor a bunch of times. Might actually ease up things on offense. They start to do that soon. Their schedule coming up is juicy. Very, very juicy for a Jonathan Taylor. So he's a buy low candidate for me this week if you can pull it off. If he has a okay fantasy week and nothing more, you'll have one more week to buy low on him. And I highly recommend that you do especially in half-point PPR leagues with that schedule coming up. Just kind of a little FYI for you guys out there in case somebody might be panicking, especially if you're 1-2, and 0-3, or maybe after this week they wound up being 1-3, and 0-4, and, and they got Jonathan Taylor on their team and he continues to not be an RB1, there's a good chance you could pull off a deal there. So just kind of my advice there for MD Nation. On the Dolphins' side of the ball, I don't want to play anybody 
But Miles Gaskin, RB3, he's an RB33 for me this week. Jalen Waddell, wide receiver 37, just because of the volume. He could be in that flex, low-end wide receiver three conversation. And believe it or not, Mike Kosicki makes my top 12 tight ends this week. He comes in a tight end 11 because since Jacoby Percet has taken over, he's only targeting the middle and short part of the field. He's not targeting anything else. It's the middle short part of the field. Once in a while, he throws a moon shot to Parker or Will Fuller. But Will Fuller, by the way, mispracticed yesterday due to an undisclosed injury. We'll have to see how that goes. But it's Waddle and it's Gasicki. And Gasicki's been getting a ton of targets since Brissett's taken over. The other key difference is this, too. Week one, Mike Gasicki played this less snaps, I think it was, and less routes run than Durham Smythe. That has changed. He's now been doubling the snaps, more than doubling the routes. So it looks like there's kind of been a switch there along with Percet. So I don't feel good about it, but he makes my tight end 11. That's, that's why he makes my tight end 11 there. And then Jalen Wall at 37. Gaskin, he's still averaging five yards a carry. I don't know what it's going to take to just let him be the guy, but he still comes in at RB 33 for me because I think they're going to have to check the ball down quite a bit. Not excited about anybody, but they are options for you this week. What do you think about the Dolphins? Yeah, I think Miles Gaskin is a flex option. I think it's definitely concerning that he hasn't had, while he's being productive, efficient-wise, he's not getting the numbers you're hoping for and the usage you're hoping for. Malcolm Brown continues to be an annoying issue where you still kind of get vulturing touchdown opportunities, still vulturing third-down opportunities here and there. So Miles Gaskin, because he's not getting quite the touches, you have some temporary expectations for it, but it's a good matchup. My guy I like the most this week in the receiving course, definitely Jalen Waddle. We've seen that the slot receivers have blown up versus this Colts defense, which is kind of surprising because Moore is typically one of the better slot corners in the league, but he's been getting torched left and right. Jalen Waddle is obviously the clear number one target for Jacoby Brissett. He's going to throw him a ball. Now he's not going to necessarily throw it deep to him, which you kind of expected more of, but he's going to have the volume. So PPR, you're loving Jalen Waddle. And even in the standard league, I think he has a nice floor that you can start him kind of with confidence. Parker, I think, is the other guy you can kind of keep in mind is maybe more DFS purposes, a guy who still kind of continues to get getting seven targets a game no matter what. Will Fuller was out there last week and still got seven targets. So you kind of expect that Parker's going to be – you talked about the guy they kind of take a shot down the field with here or there or probably use him more so in the red zone. Um, so he's got a decent matchup. And then Gusecki, I agree with you. It's obvious that, you know, Jacoby Prestat historically always like throw to the tight end position as it is. So you have a guy he likes to throw to in general where he's trying to attack the field, like he said, in the middle – and the guy who's getting more actually being out used in pass situations. The Colts defense isn't great with the pass rush this year, so maybe they can actually continue to send guys out in routes to the tight end position versus having that have stay back in block because the offensive line for the Dolphins is truly their problem. It sucks. And we, we talked I guess so we talked about this on our um belly up live show on Tuesdays from eight thirty to ten o'clock that you have to have serious concerns with the identity of this offense offense and really start calling out this whole splitting play calling thing and what's really going on the coordinator because this, this split isn't looking good to me. No, uh, agreed. Um, we got a question in from YouTube. Kalua PVP. Hey guys, what's your opinion on James Robinson? I got him on the bench. Just got offered Terry, Terry McLaurin, for him. I have two running backs better than him, and my wide receivers are okay. Should I do it? I responded with, yes. If you can get Terry McLaurin for James Robinson, I am definitely doing that trade for sure, especially if you feel like you're okay at the running back position. I just love Terry McLaurin more for rest of season. I don't want to have pieces of an up-and-down Jaguars offense if I can at all avoid it, and I love Terry McLaurin. So, yeah, I would do that deal. What do you think, Chris? I 100% agree. 
I think you're looking at a guy Robinson. You maybe you can bank on him being a flex. He's never going to be confident as your RB two necessarily. But you know Terry McLaurin, who's obviously receiver two at worst, could be receiver one. So I make that trade in a second. Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about the bets on this game. Now, this, by the way, this is a game I probably don't want to bet. But right now, it's Miami Dolphins at home minus two, over under set at forty two and a half. Anything you would bet there, Chris? No, I'm avoiding this game with the best that I can because I think it's such a pick 'em game. Both teams are really struggling. The Colts have to win this game where the season's basically over. Dolphins are kind of in a similar situation. So this is a game that both offenses looking so putrid last week. I don't want to touch this game. Yeah, there's so many outcomes possible for this game. I would avoid it altogether too. So let's move it into Cleveland and Minnesota. Obviously, you love Nick Chubb. He's my RB6. Obviously, you continue to play Kareem Hunt. He's my RB21. You can play both of these guys every single week, regardless of the matchup. Kareem Hunt being a little bit more hit or miss, let's say, but you drafted him to be an RB2 or a flex play, so he's going to deliver on that more times than not with the way this offense is built. Let's talk about OBJ, who had a great game last... Well, I shouldn't say great game, but he had a good game last week, especially for his return. The target consolidation, as we predicted it would be, he was my wide receiver 30 last week just being a little bit cautious, but knowing the target for consolidated him with no Jarvis Landry, that continues in a good matchup against Minnesota here. He's now my art, my wide receiver 23 heading into this week. So he just makes the cut inside of my uh, wide receiver twos, a lower to low end, but he looked good. He could be progressing the right way. And I think he has one more good game. We can put to bed the OBJ, the Browns offense and Baker Mayfield are better without OBJ speak as well. What do you think about OBJ now and moving forward? I, I think OBJ is a, a definite good play this week. You expect him also to be on the field more. I mean, he was only on the field about 65% of the time last week, so you expect it as he gets more his legs underneath him, quote-unquote. He gets utilized more and more out there. He had nine targets while he was out there, so you're, you're loving that. And the talk all offseason had been that him and Baker were definitely getting on the same page, and it seemed to be the case that week, his week returned last week. So I think OBJ is a must-play, particularly against the secondary, which has been hemorrhaging points left and right. So I think it's a good play. And he's obviously the only passing target that you really want to kind of focus on for Cleveland. They seem to be able to feature one receiver, and that's about it. So I think that's the guy you want to have out there. Yeah, again, I'm not playing Austin Hooper. Still in a three-way committee. I know he scored last week. Not a streaming option for me either. This team is strictly Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, OBJ for me. When Jarvis Landry comes back, we'll revisit the wide receiver situation. Baker Mayfield, just FYI, is my QB 18 on the week. Uh, just not a streaming option. He's always he's going to have an okay floor, I guess, in good matchups like this, but he just doesn't have that ceiling. You're looking for better options there. Let's go to Minnesota. Just a real quick, just a real quick comment on Baker. I heard a good comparison that I really liked. He said they're play, playing the Vikings this week, so we're about to talk about their offense. It's basically him seeing himself in the future in Kirk Cousins. I thought that was a good comparison. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, though. Cousins has had some really top-end fantasy performances throughout his career. It's been inconsistent, but he has been known to throw the ball a little bit more uh, other than the first year of Baker. I mean, he still really has not been a fantasy asset, even when he was playing well from an NFL standpoint a season ago. So we'll see. Maybe if he's on a team that's willing to throw the ball a bit more. But yeah, I don't disagree with that comparison. Speaking of Kirk Cousins, he's my QB 15 this week. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough match against Cleveland. It's a better defense than what they've been facing. However, he has been playing lights out. So I do have him as a streaming option this week. He's actually, I mean, right now he's a top 10 quarterback through the first three weeks. Take that as you will. 
Uh, but I think there's better options to be had than Kirk Cousins, but he can continue to be a streaming option if you need him to be because he's in that you know top 16 range, which is what, usually what I look for for streaming quarterbacks. Dalvin Cook, he did practice in a limited capacity yesterday. Uh, we know that they wanted him to go last week, wasn't able to practice at all. So the fact that he came out on a Wednesday and practiced in a limited capacity, I think he is trending in the right direction to suit up this week. I'm being a little bit cautious about him coming back, being a little bit cautious about the matchup, and saying that I'm being a little bit cautious. I still have him at RB7 on the week. So if he plays, he's your RB1. No worry about it. If he doesn't play, you go back to Alexander Madison, who would probably be a high-end RB2 for me. I'll restat that out if that winds up being the case. But I feel good about Dalvin Cook coming in here and playing this week, having a good shot to suit up. So where are you at on Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook before we get to the receivers? At first, I think Kirk Cousins some credit. I, I thought he was basically a totally script guy. That the Viking, he only put up numbers when the Vikings were trailing. Last week kind of showed me that he could actually be aggressive and have the numbers that you're looking for, even when they're leading. So that was kind of encouraging for people who have, want to start Kirk Cousins. I think he's definitely an option to have out there. Um, I think Dalvin Cook thing, you, you hit him nail on the head. You have him, you're playing him. You, may, you might not have the expectations he's going to go out there and blow up necessarily, but you have the expectation that he's going to be involved in the offense because the offense is built around him. Yeah, exactly. Like Zimmer said, we go as Dalvin Cook goes, or the the running game in general, because we saw Alexander Madison say, up last week too. <laughs> the one the one concern I have about Kirk Cousins is that he's going to face a pretty good pass rush, and his Viking offensive line doesn't pass protect still well, so that could be an issue because we've seen him kind of have issues when he gets pressure. Well, that that's why he's not in my top twelve this week too. Um, Justin Jefferson comes in my wide receiver ten. Adam Thielen my wide receiver twenty one. You're playing these guys no matter what. The volume is there for both. Adam Thielen's making me eat my words right now because he's like touchdown regression. What? Because he just, uh, the dude just finds the end zone. I mean, if you look at his numbers outside of the touchdowns, they're okay, but he finds a way to get in the end zone. So you can't deny it anymore. He's my wide receiver 21. You're playing both of these guys. I think the real conversation we need to have is Tyler Conklin, another tight end who came out of nowhere last week. People are chatting up and talking about, he is in my streaming territory because he makes my tight end 15. So he's in my top 16, which is the streaming territory for me. But this offense has never consistently, especially since uh, A. Kubiak has been calling the plays, has never consistently utilized the tight end position. I don't think they suddenly do now with Tyler Conklin. Okay? And keep in mind here, who was the guy, who was the third option the first two weeks? It was K.J. Osborne, which is why he wasn't involved last week because they wanted to be a Tyler Conklin game. It could easily slide back to a K.J. Osborne role, and that's what it's going to go back and forth to be. I'm He does in my streaming territory, but I'm not trying to find any excuse to throw him out there if I can find a better option this week. Don't get your expectations up. Where are you at on that, Chris? Yeah, I 100% agree. This is a guy that I'm not really trying to get in my lineup. I think at last week, more of an aberration than expectation. I think KJ Osborne was out there still 78% of the time. So if it kind of goes back to regression in a sense where this offense has been doing for the rest of the year, you're going to see Osborne kind of be the guy who gets that volume, those numbers, versus it being the tight end. I think this is going to kind of alternate the best depending on game script. And this isn't a game I'm feeling super confident. Tyler Conklin's going to have a great game out there. Yeah, 100%. Uh, let me pull up. Well, we got the lines here on, on this game. Uh, Minnesota at home are the underdogs. It's a plus two, minus two line for the Cleveland Browns. Over under set at 51 and a half. I actually don't think this is going to be that high of a scoring game. Um but both offenses have capabilities. So I don't think I would touch the over-under. If I was going to lean one way, it would probably be the under. If I was going to bet that, this thing is kind of interesting. Cleveland should 
cover at minus two. But I think it's going to be a tough one after they just kick the crap out of the Bears going into Minnesota, who's a better team. I do wonder if it catches them off guard a little bit after this. It's hard for me to go against the uh, home underdog here in this matchup. I think I might take the Vikings plus two. Yeah, this is a game I think is really tough. I think that on paper, Cleveland should be the team that you're picking. I do think the Vikings, though, playing at home is definitely going to be an interesting matchup. And they don't they play well at home. They you know, Getting Dalvin Cook while Madison was still effective last week, I think, is huge for this offense in general. You're just kind of seeing I, – I think if anything I'm going to bet on this game, it would actually be opposite what you're saying. I'd go with the over. I think this game's going to be more of a high-scoring game than people expect. Either defense has been great. Cleveland looked really good last week. But I also question how much that was because they played Matt Nagy and Chicago Bears. Yeah, fair. I, fair. I can see this game going a lot of different ways. It's probably a game ultimately that I wouldn't want to bet, at least not heading into it. Uh, but that's where we're at there. Uh, let's go into the Giants and the New Orleans Saints here. I can safely say Daniel Jones is nowhere near my quarterback streaming territory against the Saints defense, which is healthy, finally. And we saw last week what that means. That means lots of lots of points, lots of tough defense for the New Orleans Saints. Their offense looks putrid. We'll get into that in a second. But their defense is playing well when healthy. I don't think Daniel Jones is going to have a streaming opportunity in this game. And Saquon Barkley, he is still an RB2. You still have to play him, but he is my RB17. I don't think he cracks the top 12. I don't think he gets into my RB1s. Very hard to run on the Saints. The one thing going for Barkley heading into this matchup and the other matchup moving forward is that you like what you saw as far as the target share last week. I see no reason why that doesn't continue with the expectation that Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton will miss this game. Kenny Galladay still dealing with a hip issue. So I do, I do think his floor, his RB2 floor, comes with the targets there. Where, where are you at on Saquon Barkley in this tough match against the Saints here? Yeah, I, I don't love him in the riding game, but I think you're, you're hitting the nail on the head on him being involved in the passing game because they're so banged up the receiver position. And you expect that Lattimore's going to be probably shadowing Galladay when he does is out there. I'd have very much confidence he's going to be the guy who's going to get primarily most of the targets because this whole Tony is going to be involved offensively and going to be utilized. I'll, I'll buy it when I see it because this guy can't yeah. run routes. So for me, I think it's going to be Saquon and basically that's all they really have that I'd be built starting with confidence for on the New York side of the ball. When Shepard and Slayton went down last week, Tony had more snaps than Colin Johnson, than CJ Board. Where did the targets go? They went to Colin Johnson. They went to CJ Board. They didn't go to Katerius Tony. He's not going to utilize in this offense, okay? And as far as the Giants wide receivers go, the highest ranked one I have is Kenny Galladay, and that's at wide receiver 39, meaning he's not a must play for me. In fact, I probably go as far as say if I could find a reason to sit him, I would. What do you think about Kenny Galladay this week? Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you want an easy way to feel like a chef in your own home... Try Blue Apron's two-in-four serving menu plans so you're always cooking something new and enjoying fresh seasonal ingredients. Choose from an ever-changing mix of premium recipes, chef favorites, family-friendly options, WW-recommended, and more. Get $130 off across your first six orders, plus your first order ships free when you visit blueapron.com slash blueculinary. And we've, we've had definitely numerous discussions about Kenny Galladay 
this is a week that I'm not going to stand firm that you should be playing him. I think you should actually try <laughs> to find a reason not to play him because, like I said, I think he's going to see Lattimore, and I don't think it's going to be a good day for him. We saw Lattimore have a great game last week as his, on his return. He's going to be a guy you don't want to throw at necessarily. So he's somebody, for me, I want to avoid. Chris is finally coming to the Just this side. week. This is week. That's, uh, the matchup's not good, good for him. At all this season, by the way. Well, he was he was decent enough last week where I have some hope. This week, though, I have no hope for him. He still had five catches for 64 yards. That's yeah. not what you're riding home about. That's not what you drafted him to be. He hasn't been good well, at all. The, this the team only scored 16 points or 13 points. As that's well, the so point. I, that's the point. That's the point. You're dealing with the New York Giants. That's exactly the point. Anyway, I don't want to get into that discussion right now. Evan Ingram came back last week, took over the routes run, took over the snaps, as you expect. It's a tough matchup against the Saints. He's tight end 17 for me this week. I know it's hard with the tight end position. He has the name value. You have the wide receivers out, so he does get a target consolidation boost there. But I'm still not expecting a big game out of Evan Ingram. So, again, if you can find a better option, I would, like, for instance, Tyler Conklin's my tight end 15. I would rather play a Tyler Conklin than a uh, Evan Ingram this particular week, and we'll see how this thing goes. Where, uh, where, where are you at on Evan Ingram this, this week and for rest of season? As I stated, the only guy I'm playing confidence or actually willing to start this week against the Saints defense is Saquon, and I don't even love his upside. I'm not starting anybody else in this passing game. And in the long term, I'm not angry. I love him. I love his talent, but it's obvious that Jason Garrett and him aren't on the same page. Jason Garrett's used to having a, a Witten who can run four yard patch, you know, have four yards receptions. Ingram's going to attack down ball down the field. A seam guy with all different weapons they have available to him. He seems to be the afterthought in their offense, and we know this Jason Garrett can't scheme guys, doesn't know how to get multiple guys involved. So I have no faith in Ingram throughout the season either. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Let's go to the Saints side. Trade him to the Colts. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, they could use it. I, I really, uh, no. Trade Zach Ertz to the Colts because I have Dallas Goddard in a league and it's driving me nuts. Get Zach Ertz out of there, please. Anyway, uh, going back to the Saints here. Jameis Winston's not a play. He's not a streaming quarterback for me against the Giants. You go back to the Green Bay game, which is the only good performance he's had thus far. He's still only threw the ball 25 times. He's not throwing the ball a lot, regardless of what's going on in these games. So you can't trust to play him from a fantasy standpoint. In fact, there's nobody on the Saints that I want to play outside of Alvin Kamara, who comes into my RB2 overall for the week, one spot behind Derrick Henry. I love Alvin Kamara, obviously, this week, especially with no Blake Martinez anymore for the rest of the season. That Giants run defense is going to be putrid uh, for the rest of the year. But you cannot trust anybody in the Saints offense, which is just crazy to say. Now, when Michael Thomas comes back, maybe that changes, but it, it's bad. And there's even talk about Taysom Hill now getting back into the conversation of taking over the starting quarterback job, too. So where are you at in the Saints, Chris? Yeah, I think the only guy you clearly start with confidence is Kamara, like you said. I think if you're going to take a shot on anybody else, you were kind of encouraged that Callaway actually was more involved in the passing attack. Did have a touchdown, had four catches, 41 yards. Against the Giants secondary is vulnerable to some degree. So I do think that it's the guy, if you're going to play anybody, I think Bradbury's good enough to take him away too. If he follows him around, but I, I don't think he's going to necessarily have to be you know, shadowed. Um, but I'm with you on the, the Taysom Hill talk. You kind of saw it last week. Um, as in the fourth quarter, Taysom Hill played more and more in the fourth quarter. They were utilizing his legs, which opened it up for Alvin Kamara in a lot of ways. Because right now, you can squeeze the crap out of this team. Jameis' days are really scary to me. I was super confident. I was super excited him being a quarterback for this team. 
but they basically are doing exactly the same game plan they did with Teddy Bridgewater took over a couple of years ago. And it's all about just maximizing the dink and dunk options. Don't turn the ball over. Don't make anything happen down the field. Our defense will win it for us. I don't love that mentality, but I, I think that's really what you see Sean Payton kind of sticking to right now, um, which is unfortunate because I think James Winston could be more effective. He's just basically he's out there not asked not to lose the game. And you see it. Even when he has prote- pass protection, he has some time to push the ball down the field. He's not because he's scared to turn the ball over. Even that touchdown pass he got, he threw last week. He got a hell of a grilling on the sideline for throwing it up there for the guy to make a play. But for me, yeah, it, it I was happy to see throw. that, actually. It was dangerous throw, but this team's got to do something. They, you're not moving <laughs> the ball. You're not scoring points otherwise. And I think Sean Payton's got to kind of get his head out of his butt in this situation. Like, you're going to have to use this guy's arm talent at some point. Your offense isn't going to have to be any good. Maybe you turn it over to Taysom Hill. Let me ask you this. Does that change when Michael Thomas comes back into the mix when they when maybe Sean Payton feels like he has a receiver he can trust to try to go down the field with? I hope so. But Teddy Bridgewater had Michael Thomas too. And while his Michael Thomas had some decent numbers, they still weren't pushing the ball down the field. That team was built around not losing the game. So I am concerned about Winston's upside even when Thomas comes back. Yeah, I agree with that too. But Thomas will be a play once he does come back. Uh, as far as betting this game, as you would imagine, Saints at home, heavy favorites, minus seven and a half. The over-under set at 42. I'm going to stay away from the over-under, but I will take Saints minus seven and a half. I do think they control this game with their defense from start to finish. Yeah. I think it should be a highly emotional game for the Saints. They get to return home for the first time after yeah, exactly. being on the road all this time. You're going to see New Orleans Saints fans going crazy. And historically, when New Orleans kind of has a situation, they go back to New Orleans, they usually show up and play. 100%. We're going to take a quick break, come back on the other side. We'll have the last few games to talk about for the Week 4 full preview. So everybody stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless, unless we swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below the waist grooming just launched the new performance package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com. For 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation. You are listening and watching to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, And, of course, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Please subscribe. Check us out on your favorite pod streaming app, iHeart, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever. Spreaker being the biggest one, actually. And check us out tonight from 730 on the Unhinged Radio Network, unhingedsn.airtime. Dot pro Chris, we got a lot more games to cover in a half hour, so let's pick up the pace here because I've lost track. I thought we only had one more slate, but we don't. We have two more slates. So everybody stay tuned because it's going to be rapid fire. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, my QB 14 heading into the week. Why? Because it's the New York Jets 
And I don't care if he doesn't have AJ or Julio out there. He could run it in for a touchdown. He could still throw for two or three touchdowns. So he is a streaming option. He doesn't make my top 12 because it's trending more towards him not having either one of those top two receivers, not to mention Derrick Henry being my RB1, could just dominate this game by himself. But those are why he's outside my top 12, but still a streaming option for me. Obviously, you're playing Derrick Henry. I do have Julio ranked as if he'll play this game for now. Obviously, that might change. But assuming A.J. Brown is going to miss, which we do think he's going to miss this week and possibly probably next week as well, if Julio is able to play, He's my wide receiver 20 because of target share consolidation and because of the matchup. So where are you at in the Titans in this one? Yeah, I think you, I'm in total agreement. I think Tannehill is a streaming option. You don't love the upside in this game because you know he doesn't throw the ball a whole lot. Derrick Henry is obviously number one. He's probably your guy. You're growing through confidence, more confidence to play any other back this, this week. And then finally, Julio Jones, if he starts and is the receiver, I'm starting him. If he's not, I'm not touching any of the receivers. Yeah, uh, 100%. You don't know which direction you're going to go. I have Corey Davis at wide receiver 34. This is an easier matchup. I do think he will get the lion's share of the targets. Maybe we see Jamison Crowder get back and mixed in, but I'm not going to play him his first week back coming off a groin injury where he's already had a setback. So Corey Davis, would you play him as a wide receiver three? And is anybody else in the Jets even a factor? Corey Davis, I would start as receiver three. I think he's the only guy you can actually start at any kind of hope on offense right now. The only guy I would kind of look for that has a, a sneaky good matchup is Michael Carter. He did seem kind of be used a lot, a lot more last week, but he still have concerns with his offenses. You know, I haven't scored a touchdown in two weeks. They only have one entire season. So you had definitely have a, a floor that's, you know, that's not really high for most of these guys out there. So the only one I'm starting to Corey Davis is if I have to. Yeah, exactly. And Ty Johnson's still too involved for me. Uh, this is going to be another lock bet of the week for me. Titans minus seven in this game. The over-under set at 44, but give me the Titans at minus seven all day, every day. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think they might be a little bit closer just because the Titans won't have to blow them out. But the Jets and Jets have a sneaky, decent matchup against this defense that's not good, particularly in the secondary. But I think the pass rush is going to be too much for Zach Wilson. This Jets offense just looks awful. And the coaching staff should be starting to get, you know, put more and more on the spotlight as a result as well. Free Denzel Mim. <laughs> Free Denzel Mim, yes. Uh, Let's talk about a game that is going to is a perfect storm situation. Andy Reid heading to Philadelphia, Kansas City one and two after two tough losses against this Eagles team who just got the crap kicked out of them against Dallas. A Chiefs team is going to be knocking at the door to get back in the win column. I see disaster for the Eagles. I see a lot of points for the Chiefs. Mahomes obviously play him anyway. He's my QB two. Of course, Travis Kelsey my tight end one. But Tyreek Hill does come back to my wide receiver two overall this week. I think he's going to get back on track after having two rough weeks. Darius Slay, remember, he's not shadowing this year. He's playing the one side. And they're going to move Tyreek Hill all around. I think you see him get back to what we saw in week one against Philadelphia Eagles this week. And then I'll just wrap it up with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. By volume default, he is my RB19. But he always has a low floor. Where are you at with Clyde Edwards-Alaire? Where are you at with Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill, I, I think he can be heavily involved. I, I would can speak more concerned that does he get the big play? Because one thing the Eagles basically do is play not to give up the big play, particularly with their safeties really deep. Um, and I think you can have the volume underneath. Like you talked about Slade not being shadowing guys. Even if he was, he's not the same corner he has been in the past. No. So Tyreek Hill, I definitely think you start with confidence. Love Travis Kelsey for this matchup. The Eagles have her banged up at second secondary. They lost Mike Epps, uh, lost Epps their safety, one of the starting safeties. So I think that's going to be kind of a key thing as well. 
And then I look at Edwards Hilaire. I like Edwards Hilaire a lot this week. We know we're definitely different points of view what he's about. But you, you see this team on the Eagles defense is a run funnel team. They want you to run the ball. They dare you to run the ball. And we saw Dallas be able to do so this week, last week. I think it's going to be the same thing for Kansas City this week. Can't necessarily disagree. And on the Eagles side of the ball, Jalen Hurts, my QB5. You're playing him with confidence. He showed you last week, even against Dallas, even though he played a terrible game from an NFL quarterback standpoint, he was still really good for fantasy football because he's always going to run and they're going to have to come back from behind. The volume's going to be there. So Jalen Hurts, you continue to fire him up as a QB1. I do think the Eagles called more than three runs this game. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that they will. Although I, I had, I had, I loved, loved hate, but loved the Nick Serrini comments afterwards. Well, we call it RPO action. And when we call RPO, we consider that a, a run call, even if he winds up passing it, which makes no sense whatsoever. But that's Nick Serrini for you. And that's why I warned you guys about going into the offseason as it was, because he kept saying dumb stuff like that throughout the year. Uh, so it's just laughable to me, but going against Kansas City Chiefs, you have to think at least coming out, the game plan is going to be to try to control the clock a little bit. Miles Sanders is an RB20 for me. I will fire him up with some confidence as an RB2. Devon Smith comes in at wide receiver 28. He's still the number one receiver in my eyes as far as targets go in this game. Again, matchup, volume, game script, expectations. I think you can fire him up as a wide receiver three, and I do think he'll get better. Last but not least, Dallas Goddard does make my tight end 12 this week. It's hard to trust. Zach Ertz is just as involved as he is. Goddard should have had a better game last week, though. He dropped a couple key passes. There was one Hertz missed him on that he was wide open. That probably would have been a touchdown. So just a guy who's still involved because, again, the target consolidation is more about Devonta Smith and the tight ends. So he does make my tight end 12 this week, but he's the same as all the other streaming options. Where are you at in the Philadelphia Eagles players? Yeah, so you're playing the Chiefs defense, which has been horrendous this year. So I do think you can start Jalen Hurts. Then you can try to play a lot of the guys if you kind of want to. Definitely try to borrow Miles Sanders out. There's one of the best matchups he's going to have. If you have him on your team, this is the week to play him. Um, I think Devonta Smith's a good play as well. And the sneakier plays, I think, could be maybe you have a game well out there because the game script, the game falls out of line. And then the LBU Sanders, obviously, game well has been their third down guy, the guy who they prefer to throw the ball to, that Naheem Hines role, so to speak. So his guy, he can probably sneak out there in a flex if he want to. And Jalen Riker has some value in the flex as well because I think they're going to be coming back in this game and have to actually throw the ball to him consistently. Yeah, I don't mind that either. Betting line-wise, I'm not gonna. St- I'm actually not going to bet the line because Kansas City finds a way to never cover. They're minus seven heading into this game going against Philadelphia. I will, however, bet the over-under, which is 54-and-a-half. It's one of the highest-scoring games this year. I do trust that number heading into this particular matchup. Especially for Kansas City, I think their offense could come out roaring in this game. And I think the Eagles will be able to score some too. So I like over on 54 and a half. Yeah, I think that I, I probably would go with the over if I'm going to bet on anything 54 and a half. Other than that, I think that you have a pretty good point. I think the Chiefs, even when they're historically supposed to blow out teams, they don't necessarily do. It's a good matchup offensively for the Eagles where they should match up if you know Nick String is not an idiot this week. So they should be able to kind of move the ball versus the Chiefs. So the game should be higher scoring and the Eagles shouldn't be necessarily out of it right off the bat. Agreed. All right, let's go to Arizona and the Rams. This is going to be one of the big games of the week, one of the big tests of the NFC. The Rams just had a big statement game against Tampa Bay, and now they're going to have to do it within the division with the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray is my QB three. He's always going to be in my top five because he's running it all and running in the red zone and they're throwing it all the time. And it's just a high up-tempo offense so yes Kyler Murray finish him up as my QB3 although Rams defense is pretty good I'm not loving the matchup here but he's matchup proof in this instance 
Chase Edmonds is still my RB18. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Look, I know Connor got the two touchdowns last week. I know Edmonds, as long as Connor's healthy, will not be the guy in the red zone situations. But he just continues to get the targets. He continues to have that high floor every single week. He gets just as many carries as Connor does. I do think his efficiency will be better than it was a week ago. And this is a game where I think there's going to be a lot of points scored. You're going to see a lot more Edmonds than you are Connor in this game, I believe, too. So Edmonds actually coming into my RB18. Connor does make my RB3 territory. Because again, point scored, he has the red zone role, so he could fall into the end zone. I wouldn't feel good about it, but if you need a running back due to injury, he is in my RB3 territory heading into this week. Obviously, play Hopkins. I have some lower expectations, though. He's my wide receiver 15. He's not inside my top 12 this week. I expect Ramsey to shadow him, and he's still dealing with that hip injury. He didn't look like 100% himself in that Jacksonville game. We'll see if he's able to practice, get healthier this week. But you do have to lower your expectations to some degree with DeAndre Hopkins, I believe, heading into this matchup. And Christian Kirk is my wide receiver 38, just outside my top wide receiver three in that wide receiver four territory. But if Ramsey's going to be on DeAndre Hopkins' whole game, I do think Kirk has a good chance with the routes he's been running, with the targets he's been having. Out of the last three games, two really good performances. I think you can play him in your flex position this week. Where are you at in the Cardinals? Yeah, so I'm a little bit different in some aspects. Uh, Kyler Murray, I think, is definitely clearly just starting him this week. But I would have my expectations of how great he's going to be. He's going to have a good, solid pass rush versus the Rams, and I think it's going to be a little bit tougher for him. We've seen historically when you get pressure up in the middle, you have the legs, so he's going to run, so you've got a good floor there. But he doesn't necessarily – he kind of struggles throwing the ball effectively against the pass rush. So I kind of temper my expectations. I mean, I wouldn't have him in the top five like you do. Uh, Chase Edmonds is definitely the guy who I'm around out there. He gave a lot of good numbers. So I think you'll look at Gio Bernard's involvement last week. You saw him have a really good game. He's good, you, Chase Edmonds is going to be that guy, that check down guy. He's going to be involved in the passing game. And I think it's kind of harder to run on the Rams than people think it is. So I think he's going to be the back to utilize him a lot more. Don't love Connor at all this week. I understand the kind of falling into a touchdown. I think that could happen, but he's not a guy that's so much trying to figure out a way to get in my lineup. And as the receivers, I have different point of view so far. And I talked about this on the BFL show. Like live show. Um, right now, Jalen Ramsey isn't shadowing guys. He's playing the star position. He's playing a lot of slot corners. Sixty-five percent of the time, he's been lined up in the slot. Most of because they want him to be able to blitz and kind of use him that Jamal Adams role where he can blitz, he can do different things. He hasn't shadowed under Raheem Morris yet this season, so I don't know if it's necessarily a lock that he's going to be matched up on Deandre Hopkins because that hasn't been the case yet. That's why people were worried about Mike Evans last week. But he was matched up with Mike Evans. Like I guess I kind but of he was matched up with Chris Godwin, which I could see that as well. well. I don't Godwin's view Christian Kirk in the same light as a Chris Godwin, which is why with Hopkins, I think it's going to be a little bit of a different story. But it, but possibly, go ahead. 
Well, I, I just pointed out that Godwin primarily lines up in the slot. You have seen Ramsey play on the outside somewhat, but just numbers-wise, he hasn't been out there most of the game. So that's where I think Hopkins is, depending on his health, is more where I'd be more concerned about what, how confident I felt rolling him out there. The rest of the guys, I think, is going to depend on where does Ramsey really play. Because if he winds up being matched against Christian Kirk 65% of the time, not loving Christian Kirk, um, I think that you're going to be able to attack the second corner on the Rams. But I think overall, there's no like great matchups for anybody else other than Hopkins in the passing game at Edmonds, in my opinion. Okay, okay. Well, what about the Rams? Because I got Matthew Stafford at QB8. I love the matchup because the Arizona Cardinals. Look, the Cardinals have a nice pass rush, but you can definitely take advantage of the secondary, and their secondary is banged up on top of it. Rams look great against Tampa Bay. It's kind of similar in some ways to how I think they're going to attack this defense of the Arizona Cardinals. Stafford coming in at QB8. Darrell Henderson did practice in a limited capacity yesterday on Wednesday. That's a very good sign that he will be available this week. You can also run on the Arizona Cardinals. I got him at RB22. Just still being a little bit cautious with the rib injuries. And that's why I don't have him at my mid-level. I have more of a lower NRB2. But definitely a guy you're going to be plugging and playing in your lineups. Cooper Cup, my wide receiver three overall for the week. Of course, because he's been on fire and the Arizona Cardinals. The big thing is going to be Robert Woods. I talked about this in the recap show. He's my wide receiver 29 heading into this week. Better days are ahead for Robert Woods. He's too good of a receiver. He's This is too good of an offense for him to continue to be this mediocre. Having said that, I did say that if you were going to plug him and play him in your lineups, when you're building your lineup out for the week and your expectations for everybody, you do have to have more of a wide receiver three value on him until you see otherwise. So you can still play him in your lineup. You know the better days are ahead but maybe you adjust other things and take more home run shots if you're going to be playing him in that situation, but just have a better value expectation on him, which is a wide receiver three. And Tyler Higby comes into my top 10 tight ends this week. Just a guy who'll be involved off and on. What do you think about the Rams? I love the matchup for everybody. I think maybe start Matthew Stafford with absolute confidence. I think you have Henderson. Maybe you have temporary expectations depending on the injury. I do think some of the not going to go away but you still start him versus Arizona defense. Um, and that's a receiving thing. You know, Cooper Cup to me is definitely a must play. Robert Woods, I know I've been saying it for the last week or two that he's going to do for some regression, but I think this is the week where he actually gets to show it. We've seen Deshaun have his day. We've seen Van Jefferson have his day. We've seen Cooper Cup be effective. We saw Higby get re-involved last week. I think this is the week Robert Woods, it's his turn, so to speak. And I think that he's going to kind of show out this week. The guy I've been encouraging everybody to buy low on, um, I, I was bigger on Cooper Cup going into the season than Robert Woods, but by no stretch of the means, I think Robert Woods is a waste in his offense, and you love the, the matchups versus the Arizona secondary. So for me, Robert Woods is if I have him on my team, I'm starting him. And I love everybody else. And Higby's the only concern I have because, I, because I'm because not sure where he kind of falls in the, the food chain, so to speak. Um, it's, it was clear they wanted to get in the ball last week, but as against a defense they couldn't run the ball against, I think you can run the ball against Arizona. So it's curious to see how involved he will be. Yeah, I mean, he's always going to be flirting around that top 12 territory. I think you just continue to play him as a top 12 tight end and hope for the best each and every week. He's better than most of the ones out there. This is going to be my lock parlay of the week. I love the Rams at minus four and a half, and I love the over under at 55. I agree with both those. All right, so let's move into the San Francisco Seattle game here. Another big NFC West Matt, I truly think the entire NFC West is going to make the playoffs this year. That's just me, but we'll see exactly, exactly what happens. But these are going to be some good games. 
Seattle, Russell Wilson. Look, San Francisco can be lit up right now. We saw it on Sunday night against Green Bay. That secondary is in shambles. While they do have Nick Bosa and they still have a nice front four, you can definitely throw the ball on them. And apparently they're too dumb to figure out the, the double Devontae Adams. So I love DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett this week. So Russell Wilson comes in at my QB six. Metcalf's my wide receiver five. Tyler Lockett, one spot behind him at wide receiver six. We're not worried about him with a hip injury. He was a limited participant in practice yesterday. He was able to come back in that game. We still got a catch, still look fine. We're not worried about him heading into the Sunday. You love those two guys. Chris Carson, uh, not concerned about his injury that he's dealing with at the moment either. He also practiced limited capacity. He's RB15 for me this week. I've been a little bit concerned about the volume that hasn't necessarily been there the way I thought it would be for Chris Carson, both rushing and receiving the football. However, he's still a hard runner. He's still good. He still finds the end zone. That's why he's the RB15 for me this week. And Gerald Everett, he goes on the COVID reserve list. Uh, not that I'm worried about a tight end anyway, but maybe DFS will Disley as a play because I think Everett is going to miss this game. Uh, but that's where I'm at on Seattle. Where are you? Yeah, I agree with all those points. The one thing you're really going to see for the Seattle teams, can they play two halves? Because in the first yeah. half, they're awesome offensively. In the second half, no matter who they've played so far, they stunk. So it's 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 going to be really interesting. Can they put two halves together? And that's going to determine how big of a ceiling Russell Wilson has for you because he's been lighting it up week, during the first two you know quarters. The third and fourth quarter, he's kind of having layout level and off. Therefore, his numbers haven't been off the you know off the chain, so to speak. Um, but I, I think you start all those guys with confidence. Chris Carson is my concern right now. I, I think he's definitely start him this week. No, no questions asked. But I am a little curious why he's not getting targeted in the passing game. That's worth thing. I think we why both Travis Homer is playing on third downs. Yes, we will. I think we both thought that Chris Carson had, was one of those sleeper guys. Kind of had some possible RB one value going into the season. People might have been sleeping on this guy, but we, right now the usage isn't what you wanted to be. No, not at all. No, on San Francisco side of the ball. Elijah Mitchell practiced yesterday. I do think he's on his way back. I took Chris. I talked about you off camera here. Trey Sermon just I look. I knew this coming out of college, but it was just really eye opening to see it on Sunday night. Whereas if he has to move laterally at all, it's like watching paint dry. He can't. He can't get there. So if he can't stick his foot and get north and south immediately, then he kind of gets ineffective. As a result to that, if Elijah Mitchell can go, I think this is his job. I think this is his backfield if he's out there. Now, I think Sermon will be sprinkled in uh, and all that. Juice may be sprinkled in on the passing downs. But Elijah Mitchell comes in as my RB23 if he, in fact, can go. Trey Sermon will move up to a high-end RB3 for me, maybe low-end RB2 if Mitchell can't go this, uh, this week. But I am all about Mitchell in your lineups if he is, in fact, able to go, which he is trending in that direction. George Kittle, obviously, fire him up. He's my tight end three. Got back involved last week. And you get the wide receiver position. Debo does come in as my wide receiver 12. It's a good matchup against Seattle. They've been funneling the offense towards him anyway. I do think he has a good game here after last week. The big question is Brandon Ayuk. We finally saw, okay, he's got a starting job completely back after last week from a snap share standpoint. They did make it a concerted effort to get him the ball, especially in the red zone. Still doesn't look like 100% his explosive self, but he figured he's getting his legs back under him. Should be getting stronger and stronger with each week. You like the matchup. However, having said all that, I still need to see it one more week before I'm willing to trust him. He comes in at my wide receiver 41 for this week as kind of a boomer bust type of play. So where are you at on San Francisco? Yeah, the running back situation, I think if Mitchell's out there, you definitely can start him because I think it's clearly obvious that Kosh Hanan hates Trey Sermon for some reason. He's playing the guy he drafts. 
Um, so that seems to be the obvious problem. I think you, if you, Elijah Mitchell is the guy out there, you do start him with confidence. If Trey Sermon winds up being the starter, I would have some uh, – it's a great matchup, but we saw Kyle Juszczyk play predominantly most of the past situations. We saw him actually have be out there way more than Trey Sermon was. So I'd have concerns that continues. The only guy I probably would really feel confident on the 49ers side or two guys I feel kind of decent confident is Debo. Debo seems to be their number one guy. They want to get the ball no matter what, too. And George Kittle should get the ball. It's a great matchup. You're just always worried about you know, well, how will Shanahan use him in a sense. Ayuk thing is kind of really concerning to me. I think it's a wonderful matchup. On paper, it makes every sense in the world to play this guy. But the quote-unquote comeback for him was a four-catch, 36-yard production last week it wasn't yeah, something that was like right yeah he scored a touchdown that saved him but if he hadn't had that touchdown people would be like Randy, you get rid of him get, he's not bad so i have serious concerns that what i thought the breakout quote unquote game was acceptable for people isn't a game that you're necessarily happy with um so i i do think it's a guy if you're going to start you hope that you have like no other options otherwise the only time i'm touching him is be able to dfs purposes <laughs> Yeah, and, that, and that's why I say I got to see it one more week for him to make a concerted effort for him to be involved before I can start trusting to play him as a, as a wide receiver three. Uh, betting this game, I'm going to give my lock, another lock bet for you guys. Right now, the 49ers, because they're home, are, ma- are favored at minus two and a half. I am taking Seattle to win this game outright at the money line on plus 130. I think they're just a better team right now. San Francisco is still reeling, still trying to figure out what they're going to do with that secondary. I think Seattle is just a better team at the moment. The over-under is at 52. I'm not going to touch that. I can see that going either way. Uh, but I am going to take the Seattle Seahawks to win outright on the money line at plus 130. Yeah, I'm not touching this game in journal. I don't really trust either team right now. All right. Well, we're going to skip the break because we got it. 12 minutes and four more games. So let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens and the Denver Broncos. You want to talk about a slobber knocker of a game matching up. This is, this is, you like defense. This is going to be this game. Lamar Jackson comes in my QB nine. And I'm going to be honest. I don't really feel great about that uh, against this Denver defense. Very good, very fast. So if there's one team out there that I think that could keep him contained to some degree, as far as running, it is this Denver Broncos team. Yes. Rashad Bateman comes back. Yes. Miles Boykin comes back. How big a factor is there going to be in this matchup? I don't think very, which I don't think boosts Lamar Jackson in the passing game all that much. Uh, I think you have to play him. You drafted him. He's a QB1. Tyson Williams is RB30 for me this week. I think if you want to play him the flex, that's about all you're looking for. I don't love the matchup. I think there's a chance he could bust out. The only reason I have any confidence in him after last week is because I pay attention to the snap count. He's still well outsnapped Latavius Murray, even though the usage was a little bit weird against Detroit, but uh, I still have an RB 30 this week as the lead back for them. Marquise Brown, my wide receiver 32 should have had a better week last week, but he is still dealing with the injuries. This is again, tough matchup. He's the only wide receiver, the Baltimore Ravens. I trust. So he does come in at wide receiver three because he can make that big play. But this Broncos defense is for real, especially in the secondary Mark Andrews. You got to play him as a tight end one. I got him a tight end seven. But I have to lower all expectations for Ravens players heading into this matchup. Where are you at? Yeah, I, I think you play Lamar just because you probably drafted them if you have them to be a starter out there. But I have type of expectations for all these from all to the guys. I'm more curious to see how good this Denver defense really is because we, while it's been really good, they've played atrocious offenses they so have. far this season. They so have. I want to see what's what's for real for real. To me, that's why I kind of have a wait and see this game. I I try to avoid playing many of the Ravens as I can because on paper it's not a good matchup and you have no confidence of being like this guy's going to come out and be a stud this week. The running game you haven't really seen being utilized, especially against Detroit last week, was really surprising how little they used the running backs. 
Um, so I don't start anybody with confidence necessarily on the Ravens side. I can't say there's guys that you shouldn't play, but there's not guys I'm really I try to avoid if I am in the situation not to play any of them if possible. Uh, on the Denver side, I have both Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams RB threes. Gordon at RB twenty five. He's just been getting a little more of the usage uh, than Javante Williams has, especially in the passing game. But both are RB threes in a tough matchup. I think you can flex them both. Cortland Sutton's my wide receiver twenty five. You can throw the ball in Baltimore to some degree. And I with now KJ Hamler out, target consolidation is going to come down to Sutton and uh, Tim Patrick, who I have at wide receiver 47. I have more interest in them rest of season or at least until you know Judy comes back as Hamler is going to be out for the rest of the year. Uh, but I think you can fire up Cortland Sutton as a high-end wide receiver three this week. And then Noah Fant, he's another one of those guys that you have to continue to play as a top 10 tight end. And just know there's going to be a bit of a Jekyll and Hyde performance as he comes in at tight end nine for me uh, this week against the Baltimore Ravens. They shut down TJ Hawkinson, but they did get lit up by Waller and Travis Kelsey. Then again, it was Waller and Travis Kelsey. We'll, we'll see. With it. But again, you have the target consolidation for Denver this week. Um, again, not excited about really any of these guys, but they are flex plays for the most part. And Noah Fant being a top 10 tight end for me. What do you think about Denver? Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Buy four tires and get up to $200 in savings after rebate at Bell Tire's year-end sale. Or get even more in Bell Tire gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Plus, get tires as low as $49 after rebate. Get up to $200 in savings. Or get even more in gift cards, December 26th through January 7th. Get up to $200 in savings and choose the lowest tire price, period, at Bell Tire. 100 years of getting folks safely back on the road fast and affordably. See store or belltire.com for details. Restrictions apply. Yeah, I'm, I'm, if I'm going to play any of the backs, I'm going to play Melvin Gordon. He seems to be the guy they prefer, not in garbage time. Well, the, the playing time has been very even. Javante's getting a lot of his touches in garbage time. So I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of garbage time in this game. I think it's going to be very competitive. So I'd probably lean towards Melvin Gordon. Uh, I definitely agree. He's probably more of a flex play than trusting him as an RB2 in this situation. Um, you do think you can throw the ball to your running backs versus the Ravens. So that just be something that you can kind of utilize him for. Cortland Sutton, I think you're starting out there if you have him, receiver three. Not love any upside necessarily, but I do think he has a good floor. He's going to get volume. And Tim Patrick is a guy who I think could benefit, but he has yet to have more than five targets in this game, uh, season so far. Even last year when he was pretty much a lone man standing, he never had double-digit targets. And so I think it's a guy that just doesn't seem to have the volume necessarily in this offense. And I wouldn't love the matchup because I don't think this game going to be very high scoring in general. So I probably wouldn't necessarily try to put it in my lineup this week. It's not a bad matchup necessarily, but it's not a great one either. The guy I think could be somebody I would sneakily try to get in my lineups, particularly in DFSs and even in regular standard leagues. I think Noah Fan has the best chance to have a good game this week. I think that you had Saul Hawkinson get kind of shut down. I think that was clear. I kind of pulled people. I think it's more the matchup. He's more of a bigger guy. He's more of a guy that doesn't get off the line with a quick release. I think Darren Waller type, like a la Noah Fant, is going to do better against this Ravens defense. They lost Elliott last week as a safety, so they're down to like their fifth safety right now. Um, I think you can attack them in the seam, and I think that's the guy who I would try to target the most probably in his offense. 
Yeah, don't don't disagree with that there either. Had the five targets last week for Tim Patrick uh, that you were talking about. Betting this game, it's a pretty much a pick 'em. It's Denver minus one. Uh, the over under set at forty five. I'm going to leave that alone. But uh, I like Denver minus one this week, and they're almost at even money to at minus one hundred five to bet on them minus one. I think they're going to win this game again. Baltimore should not have beaten Detroit last week. I do think Denver matches up very well with Baltimore. I think they're playing better than Baltimore in general is right now. I think they're not going to be able to come away with a, a miraculous win in this one like they had the last two weeks. So give me Denver minus one. I actually feel pretty good about that. Yeah, this is a game I'm just going to watch. I'm not betting on. Let's move to Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Ben Roethlisberger is done. Done, done, done. Stick a fork in him. He's done. No doubt about it. But that doesn't mean there's not fantasy points to be had here. Najee Harris comes in at my RB5. You love against Green Bay. This is the one matchup that they've had so far that I would think it could still actually get some you know efficiency going running the football. But Juju Smith-Schuster is expected to be out. We have to wait and see on Deontay as the practice reports come out this week. They're hopeful he'll play this week, but we still have to wait and see. It's still very questionable at this moment. And we saw last week what that means. It means Harris gets a ton of targets. So Harris, fire him up. He's the top five running back for me. If Deontay does play, I have him at wide receiver 24. So I have him at low-end wide receiver two. Again, good match against the Green Bay Packers. Target share, half-point PPR leagues. It takes care of it, even though... Ben apparently can't throw the ball more than five yards down the line of scrimmage. And would you do out target consolidation? Chase Claypool comes in at wide receiver 31 for me this week. He could break one. Potentially he's going to have to break one. Eventually I would think this is a good game for that to happen. So I think you fire him up as a wide receiver three with some upside. That's all I have on the Steelers right now. Cause I really don't expect you to play. So I didn't rank them. Yeah. I'm the only guys I'm, I'm looking at. I played Najee Harris for sure. Deontay's healthy, I start him, and I start Claypool. Other than that, the only guy I can think of maybe if you want to get cute is Vermouth. He might be involved a little bit. It might be a sneaky play, especially DFS purposes, but that's it. I think he's a sneaky pickup down the road. I don't think we're quite there yet on him. But uh, Chris, just a quick question. Would you bench Ben Roethlisberger? No. I think, well, well, I think Ben's not what you want him to be necessarily – I think the problem, the most obvious problem with that team is right now, it's their offensive line's future, and they're schematically, they're not using guys like they're supposed to. Matt, Matt Canada is supposed to have more of a jet sweep thing, more college concepts. You haven't seen any of that. It looks like, all, it looks like last year's offense. Yeah, it does. It looks exactly like last year's offense. Ben looks like he can't move anymore, and that's more, oh, what, I'm, we, that's more what I'm concerned about, where I almost wonder if a Dwayne Haskins would not be better for this offense at this point. But I agree, this still the biggest problem is that they look the same as last year, the offensive line. It's still horrible. If it was Haskins coming in, I might be more considerate. I think it's obviously going to make some Rudolph is going to want to play. I don't think that's obvious. I don't think that's that's what they say. So that's why that's what they say because he's number two in the depth chart. But I don't think that's obvious after watching preseason where Dwayne Haskins was clearly the better quarterback. I don't think that's obvious. I agree with you. So I don't think that if if it's, I I agree with you. If it's going to be Mason Rudolph, no, but I don't think that is obvious. And there are some beat reporters who talk about that. It would be Dwayne Haskins, not Mason Rudolph, if they benched Ben Roethlisberger potentially because of that. But just kind of a curious food for thought because that's where Ben Roethlisberger is at this moment. On the Packers side, Aaron Rodgers, my QB 10. You can throw it on Pittsburgh. It's still a good defense. But keep in mind, Rodgers hasn't been that great for fantasy football purposes outside of, I think, week two that it was because he gets his other guys, gets Devontae Adams going, gets Aaron Jones going, but he's not lighting up for 300-plus yards and three-plus touchdowns but he is my QB 10 heading into this week. And then I got Aaron Jones at RB eight. 
this is a tough match against the Pittsburgh Steelers, but because he's so involved in the passing game, he just has that high floor. He looks really good. And the Steelers defense still a little bit banged up as it is right now. Devontae Adams, my wide receiver one, tremendous. Tanyan comes at my tight end 16. So he just makes the cutoff as far as tight ends I'm looking to stream. But we know he's boom or bust as far as whether or not he gets a touchdown. Any concerns you have with the main Packers you're going to play anyway? No, I think that you just play Rodgers, Adams, and Aaron Jones. I wouldn't get cute other than that. I'm not touching anybody else. Yeah, if I could help it, I wouldn't either. Betting this game, minus 6.5 for Green Bay, over-under set at 45.5. I like the Packers at minus 6.5. I'm going to go opposite. I think Pittsburgh does the, has an upset in this game. I'm betting on Pittsburgh. Yeah, Ben's too putrid for that to happen. We'll see Let's, next week. That's, all, that's, my, that's my one game. I'm gonna. I'm getting feeling pretty confident. I think Pittsburgh's going to pull this one out. Okay, we'll see about that one. We'll keep that in mind for next week. Uh, Tampa Bay, New England, Sunday night. Brady goes back to New England to take on Bill Belichick. And this is going to be great. Uh, I talked to Chris about this. I, now, I actually wound up having Tom Brady as my QB4, so I did have him one spot. But I have a league where I have Brady and Hurts. And I thought the numbers were going to tell me to play Hurts. They actually wanted to tell me to play Brady, so that made me even feel more confident. But I said to him, I'm going to play Brady no matter what because I am not going to miss up with the chance of Brady against New England when you know him and Gronk are going to want to go off if any opportunity presents itself in this game. There's no way I'm not playing Brady. Gronk's my tight end five. Absolutely love this week. Antonio Brown, we just we broke the news early in the show, came back to practice. He's my wide receiver 32, and that's just out of – caution of where is he at coming off of COVID because he actually did test positive. So I want to know, are you 100% healthy? Are you you know going to be out there all the time? You know, the breathing thing can kind of be affected with COVID. So just out of a little bit of a caution, he's my wide receiver three, but I would plug him into your lineup if you have the opportunity to do so. And then of course, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, my wide receiver 17 and 18 on the week. You're definitely playing them as wide receiver two. You're playing everybody on Tampa Bay. I would even play Leonard Fournette because we don't expect Giovanni Bernard to play this week. If he doesn't play, Fournette will take over that passing down role Ronald Jones is in a doghouse, staying in a doghouse, expecting to be in a doghouse. Leonard Fournette, I actually have his RB32, so I think you can play Leonard Fournette with some confidence this week as well because of his involvement in the passing game, firing up all Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a Brady revenge matchup. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the Patriots defense is good still, so people need to kind of maybe temper their expectations a little bit. But I do offense think is not, and that's what I think the difference is going to be. Don't disagree. Don't disagree. Um, I do think there's going to be numbers to be had. I start Brady with confidence. I think you start all those receivers, absolutely. I think you have some concerns about the ceiling necessarily. The one guy who had the most confidence actually in receiving is Antonio Brown. Talk about winning and back at some teams. Remember, the Patriots cut this guy. I think he's going to have something to prove and an extra grind out there. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of Tom Brady and Antonio Brown in this game. Yeah, I want to make him higher. But again, I want to be cautious about coming off the COVID situation. Uh, on the Patriots side... You can maybe play Jacoby Myers because of the volume he just sees from a half-point PPR standpoint. He has a safe floor. He comes in at wide receiver 37 for me. I would not play anybody else. James White goes down, and you know Damian Harris owners were glued to the TV set, and what they get to see? Oh, he's still not involved because they don't trust him in pass protection, apparently. That was the excuse anyway. I don't buy it, but that was the excuse. I think J.J. Taylor is who we're going to wind up seeing playing that James White role. We'll keep our eyes on that to see if he really does, if he gets that kind of volume. But for this game, outside of Jacoby Myers, I don't want anything to do with anybody. Oh, and by the way, Hunter Henry and Janu Smith. Prepare to be flushed. There's not enough volume in this offense, and they're killing each other. So that's it. Jacoby Kyers, me, and I'm not interested in anybody else. 
Yeah, um, I'm. So I think this is a tough thing because you look at the matchup versus Tampa, and there's definitely points to be had, particularly in the passing game. Having said that, I'm with you. The only guy I have confidence in that's going to do something is Myers, because especially in PPR leagues, he's going to be targeted over and over again. He just has no big playability. The rest of the offense is just who knows. Uh, Janu Smith has turned into a glorified blocking tight end for some reason. Doesn't even get out on routes in right now. Uh, I know the offensive line for the Patriots is struggling, but I would expect you have one of your most explosive guys blocking all the time. Hunter Henry's usage has been, has been up and his routes have been up, but so what? Because he's not targeted. And so for right now, I think there's going to be somebody else that's going to have a nice game in this game. I just couldn't tell you who that's going to be. So the only guy I'm going to start with any confidence is Myers. The rest of this is a situation I'm avoiding if I can. Yeah, 100%. Breaking news. Just a quick tidbit. LaShawn McCoy officially just called it a career and retired. So I just wanted to put that out there on the show while we were live. Two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Should have happened to you're right. Should have happened two years ago, but he finally calls it a career. All right. Betting on this game, Tampa Bay minus seven over under set at 49. Give me Tampa Bay minus seven. They're the superior team. I agree with that. All right. So now last game, Monday night game, Raiders, Chargers. Raiders continuing to shock the world. <laughs> oh, God, kill me now. Anyway, <laughs> Derek Carr is my QB 13 because I can't ignore the fact that the guy's throwing for plus 300 yards, almost 400 yards every single week, no matter who they play, including as the Chargers. So he does come in at QB 13. He is a streaming option for me in this week. However, what, what, what befuddles me about the Raiders is that while Derek Carr's had this crazy production, I still don't trust a single damn receiver on the Raiders whatsoever to play them for fantasy football purposes. They all had decent games last week. You have no idea who it's going to be from a week-to-week standpoint. Brian Edwards continues to outsnap everybody and that he's the least used unless they go to overtime. Uh, there's not a Raiders receiver I have inside of my top 36. I don't want to play any of them. Maybe this thing continues to shake out, but really, Darren Waller, my tight end too, is the only one I want to play. If Josh Jacobs is able to come back this week, is what I have it ranked out as of now. We'll see if that changes. Tune in to BellyUpFantasySports.com as I update my rankings throughout the weekend. He is my RB23 in this matchup against the Chargers. You can run the ball on them. We know, you know, after watching Peyton Barber, they'll at least give the ball to anybody not named Kenyon Drake for carries, and he has a chance to score touchdowns whenever he's out there on the field. So he will be my RB23 if he, in fact, is able to play. Where are you at in the Raiders? Yeah, I think you're, the guys you're most excited about is the running backs. The Chargers are clearly a, a run-funnel team, so you have opportunity to get yardage in the rush, and every team that basically played them has done well with the running backs. So whoever's the starter, whether it's Jacobs, whether it's Barber, I think you can play up there. Um, the receiver thing, I 100% agree with you. I, I, I like Edwards' talent probably the most. Ruggs has been the most targeted guy. Renfro is the guy who I start in PPR definitely because he's going to get his volume. He's you know third down in Renfro. But Ruggs is the guy maybe you take a shot on because I'm surprisingly how involved he has been. And I got to give him some credit. He's become a little bit better a player than I expected him to be in some senses. He's actually attacking the ball. Route running still a, bit, a little skeptical on, but it's better than I kind of anticipated. He's not just a Marquise Godwin out there right now. So I have to give him kind of a little, a little bit of his props. But Darren Wall is the guy I'm only playing other than the running back, so I start with any confidence. Derek Carr, you're playing him if you have him. But I still think if you have some other options to kind of look at, maybe you don't necessarily start him because it's not a great matchup for him. We see Dak Prescott kind of have an okay game. We saw Patrick Mahomes have an okay game. Nobody's actually blown up at the quarterback position versus Chargers team yet. Chargers are pretty simple for me from a fantasy football standpoint. Pretty straightforward. Herbert is a QB7 for me this week. 
I do think there'll be some points scored for the Chargers. Austin Eckler, my RB3 on the week. And Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. Keenan Allen, my wide receiver 13, high wide receiver 2. Mike Williams making my top 10 with the way he's played as of late. He is my wide receiver 9 on the week. I do have Jared Cook in the streaming territory. He is my tight end 14. Uh, again, it's just one of those guys where he could be in the mix. This could be a higher scoring game, the way these two offenses and defenses have played as of late. So he is an option there for me. But sticking with Herbert, Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, sky's the limit for them. Anything on the Chargers that's, you know, against that. No, I 100% agree. They're the guys I'm starting with confidence, but they're the guys that actually have bank on it. Well, I wouldn't bank on anybody else doing anything in that game. Yeah, agreed. Betting this game, it's minus three in favor of the Chargers. They're at home. Over-under set at 52.5. I see a lot of different ways this game can go. I'm probably not going to bet the Monday night game. If I'm going to bet on this game, I'd bet on the over. I think it's going to be a higher. If, if I went to, it would it would be the over too. But even that, I could see it being a, a individual defensive game out of nowhere too. Don't it's, disagree. That's one of the tough parts. I probably will not bet the Monday night game, guys. That's going to do it for the show. I hope you all enjoyed it. It's the full preview. So again, make sure you're checking us out on your favorite podcasting app throughout the weekend to listen to this entire show. iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker for you guys. Check us out tonight and tomorrow on the Unhinged Radio Network from six. The 7.30. Subscribe to us on YouTube, the MD's Famous Football Show YouTube channel, and follow us on social media, because we'll keep you up to date with all the player news notifications throughout the weekend at Show. We'll be back on Monday night, or I'm sorry, excuse me, back on Saturday night. It will be just Chris and Chaz, though, on Saturday night for a full hour, and it's going to be a little bit of a, a DFS one-on-one there with Chaz, so something to kind of look forward to there. That will be Saturday night, as usual, from 9.30 to 10.30. We will have our DFS contest. In fact, it's up and live right now. We post it on social media. We'll do it again on the weekend, and then we'll be back Monday night for the Sunday uh, recap, a full recap, and we wire report and all that jazz. Guys, take it easy. We'll see you soon. Good luck tonight. Here at the Container Store, we believe you shouldn't be limited to just one happy place. Your home should be full of them. That's why we're giving you 30% off every custom alpha space. From closets and pantries to playrooms, offices, and garages, you can transform any area with alpha and save 30%. Here's another happy thought. Our design specialists will design your space for free. Get ready to discover your new happy place at the Container Store. Visit us in-store or online to get started with a free design. Buy four tires and get up to $200 in savings after rebate at Bell Tire's year-end sale. Or get even more in Bell Tire gift cards December 26th through January 7th. Plus, get tires as low as $49 after rebate. Get up to $200 in savings. Or get even more in gift cards December 26th through January 7th. Get up to $200 in savings and choose the lowest tire price, period, at Bell Tire. 100 years of getting folks safely back on the road fast and affordably. See store or belltire.com for details. Restrictions apply.